Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. There is a saying that you don't stop playing when you grow old, but rather you grow old when you stop playing. Iconic Life is an adventure-driven company that seeks to embrace life to the fullest and to never stop playing. Check out their natural hemp CBD products that help those that believe in that philosophy. Check out Iconic.com. Spelled I-K-A-N-I-K. Again, Iconic.com. Or on their Instagram at Iconic Life. Bonsai balls! They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck! They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations and download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl. Healthy, delicious. Ashland. Hard seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it. I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing. Only 100 calories. All organic. No sugar. Also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. Also supported by Octopus, the massive corporate juggernaut. Octopus, making stuff for people who actually surf. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. Sunscreen. (laughs) Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Wow. Our guest this week is an icon, legend of our sport of surfing. At 17, he won the Smirnoff Amateur title at Sunset Beach, which got him into the pro event making it to the semifinals held in 25-foot Waimea. Wow. At 17. That's freaking nuts. He was ranked in the top 10 in 77, 78, and 80. A few years there on, on tour. Impressive. He won major events like the Sunset Cup and the Surf Bout in Australia. Dude, this guy won events. Not just a pretty face. What? <laughs> His love for the ocean and big waves is what made him into a fierce waterman competing in the Molokai paddle event, the Catalina Classic, and even paddled the English Channel with his good buddy, Laird Hamilton. Who's that guy? Yeah. Some other guy. Some other guy. In the early 90s with Laird, Dave Kalama, and a few other close friends, they were on the hunt to ride the biggest waves possible, which resulted into pioneering toe-in surfing. Yeah. On wow. the forefront right here. 
This is incredible. But all can we his, can we just say how crazy these guys are? Oh, it's, I can't wait to talk about it. Okay. But all of his accolades didn't stop in the ocean. He was noticed by a photographer, Bruce Weber, and from there on, his life would be forever changed. This James Bond-like double agent was not only living life on the edge in the water, but soon became a household face in almost every men's fashion magazine for decades. The face. The face. Of Ralph Lauren. Landing a lifelong modeling career with Ralph Lauren. Wow. That's Yeah. And some the iconic... face of Ralph Lauren. Yeah. Americana. When you say Americana, you think of Ralph Lauren. Oh, and instantaneously, sure. you think of Buzzy... Box. This is it's it. Cr it's crazy. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, he, he spilled the beans, but we already know who it is. The Incredible Waterman, author of the book about his life stories, Making Waves. We welcome Burton Buzzy Kerbox. Woo! This is huge. So happy to be here with you guys. This yeah. is going to be fun. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so stoked. Uh, I've been I've been stalking you for a while on Instagram. and. Yeah. You probably never look at your direct messages. I don't usually. Okay, <laughs> so so it's before you He's know you came out. You, you uh, I, I was following you, and I've always wanted you to be on the show, and I hit you up like I don't know, maybe a year ago. If you look back, you'll see it. But it says, "Hey, Buzzy, I met you in Nicaragua. You know, Jay Larson, and I have a podcast. Blah 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 blah." And then, um, thank thankfully, uh, Kelly Sorensen. Because you did a, a a thing on the beach surf shop, right? Yeah, he's a good friend of ours, and um, he's a big supporter of the show, and he helped kind of orchestrate this thing together. I've yeah. been on Instagram, but I didn't know how to look at messages. My sons had to show, Dad, you got uh, twenty messages here. I'm like, oh, how do I look at them? I, I didn't know. It, so. it gets tricky for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I, I like. I don't know how to. Where to swipe? Where did I go? go. Yeah. How did I get back to where I started. Um, a quick little plug. Uh, today we picked up uh, bonsai bowls. Yes. And, oh yes. Uh, thank yeah. you, Joe bonsai Bard. bowls. Thank you, Joe Bard. Uh, Freaking delicious! I'm stoked. I heard you guys a... were gonna have those, so I didn't have breakfast. I came hungry. And Perfect. Was, uh, this Perfect. is hitting the spot. These are yeah. good. A little healthy starter. Yeah. Well, uh, dude, I know we have a not too limited of a time, but I wanted to make sure we get as much as we can about your life story. Yeah. Um, Let's start at the beginning. Where, where, where did it all begin for, for Burton? Indianapolis. Born in Indianapolis. And uh, my dad had been in the Navy and stopped in Hawaii and uh, thought that looked pretty cool. And uh, in the summer from Indiana, we drive down to Florida. And I was probably eight and I saw a Beach Boys album cover with surfing on it. And just that, I just went, that looks really cool. But there was no surf in Florida then. And we were back in Indiana. And my dad came home from work one day and said, we're moving to Hawaii. Oh, bummer. Wow. I was just like, yeah. My two older brothers like, well, we got our friends. We got our, I'm like, yes, let's go, baby. I want to go to Hawaii. Yeah, you guys shut up. You guys stay here. And, I'm going to Hawaii. And like I, you knew surfing, you saw surfing in magazines up before then, and everything. Not, I just saw that Beach Boys, Boys album cover. cover. That was it. I mean, wow. in the end, that was my only connection to surfing. That's incredible. That's One, radical. What was the picture? What was the cover? It's uh, a guy dropping in at sunset. Wow. Yeah. How funny. I wanted to use that in my that cover in my book, but I couldn't get permission. Yeah. But uh, but the cover that you do have is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, I was going to use the the Beach, the Beach Boys, Boys album. Cover. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Inside, yeah. yeah. Damn was, copywriters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, know Damn trademark. you know who I am? You know who I am? I'm the on. face of, of Ralph Lauren Polo, baby. Yeah. All right. So, so eight years old, you guys pack it up from so Indianapolis. So my dad said we're moving to Hawaii. So my mom was going to go out and uh, find a house. I said, Mom, I'll go with you. So I came with her. We went to Oahu and found a house in Kailua. And we were staying in a hotel in Waikiki. And I went out and had a surf lesson. No way. And, and I just was hooked. I was like, Mom, yeah. call them up. We got the house. Tell them, come on out. And uh, we're good. And she's like, no, we've got to go home, finish school. I'm like, why? Just tell them to come on out. But I had to go back, finish school. And then uh, we... My dad loaded us all in the Country Squire station wagon, and we drove from Indiana to San Francisco via uh, Hoover Dam and Las Vegas, wow. all the stops. Got to San Francisco, put the car and us on the Lurling, and sailed into uh, the Honolulu Harbor up to the Aloha Tower. Hold on a second. Car and everything. All car, of everything. How long was that trip? What's the Lurling? The, the boat? The Lurling the was the uh, cruise ship back then. Matt, yeah, there was two cruise ships between San Francisco and Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. couple things. Um, so when you took that lesson, it's so funny because somebody else told us that's older that they took lessons back in the day. And it's like, fuck, they've been having lessons for a long, long time. Long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been going down a long time. And I mean, what a, I mean, moneymaker for the locals and what a, the best job ever, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. To show up to the beach and... And what beach was that? Was that Waikiki? Waikiki. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, right man. in the thick of it. Right. Yeah. Did you like see local kids yet, or were there other surfers? You know, I don't remember. I mean, there was just a crowd. I don't remember. You know, young kids it was more yeah. just people taking lessons in a crowded lineup, and I was kind of focused on. Were, were you I tripping, like tripping, being uh, able to uh, finally gliding on this wow, water? I'm hooked. Just the hook got set. Did you got pick? Did you pick it up pretty quickly? That day or week? I got or? some rides, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a big board on a little roller wave, and you know, when you're a little pull, kid, you pull, just pull pop up and like ride I it. I probably didn't turn much, but I, I rode it in, and that was a thrill enough. Yeah. So then, ah, it's so rad that you guys went pretty much cross-country to San Francisco. Yeah. What? How, how long was the, the journey from San Francisco to it Hawaii? Was, I mean, we took our time. It was uh, probably four or five days of going and stopping Check, places. Checking some monuments yeah, and stuff. Checking it all spot. along the way. That's a long yeah, trip. Too. Yeah, you got to yeah. at least take a couple breaks. And it's a great yeah. way to see America though, right? Yeah, yeah. That was. I, but how I, long was the, the ship? Five ride? days. Really? Five days, yeah. Shuffle so was that your first cruise? Pool. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was a cruise ship. All the, all the meals and 
and games and guys were shooting skied off the back and I had a, a, a little raft. I always liked the water in Indiana. There was just like streams and stuff. I had this raft and I was gonna, I wanted to like trail it off the back and oh tow my myself God. along. <laughs> you are already crazy back then, <laughs> some, huh? Yeah, Roaring Rapids coming behind the boat. That looks yeah, fun. Yeah, some kid. Was that class five? What do they, they go all the way man, up? Man overboard. That's <laughs> that crazy Burton kid. <laughs> So I, I thought I'd roll into Hawaii and find myself a pet dolphin because uh, I used to watch Flipper and I thought, oh yeah, I'll just oh go God. find me a dolphin and it'd be real cool. Oh, you had your whole thing planned out. I had, yeah, I had my vision. Yeah, the mind of so, a young kid, huh? <laughs> just the world, of, you know, many possibilities. And Kailua is what like it's the, the east side east, of Oahu. Side. Okay. Yeah, just and on the other the, side. The wind of... typically trades are onshore, but there's a a junky little beach breaking up that you could get out there and surf. So that's so what when we you started doing. Yeah, so when you finally got there, moved in. Bought a board from uh, the neighbor, and I just started surfing shore break right away. Wow. At, at nine years old, eight at years 10, old? I was 10 by the time we got there, yeah. Mm. And how was it moving, not being a local at that time, and being a Howie, you know? like uh, it pretty... You know, it, it, in the early days, and kind of a shore break, it, it wasn't that crowded, it wasn't much, but then... You know, once I started surfing more and getting out and surfing other breaks and stuff, then then the localism uh, started you know, to feel started it. to see some of it. And and one day I was surfing Chuns. My dad took me there. He was on the beach, and this I I got in this guy's way, and he, he uh, grabbed my board, flipped it over, and with his hand knocked my fin box out. Wow! Threw it and said, "Beat it!" And uh, a Hawaiian guy or. A- it, well, as it oh, turned Hawaiian out later, American, I thought it, was, it was this guy named Craig Sigihara that went on to start Town and Country. Shut the front door. Yeah. Craig? That guy? <laughs> you up? That guy yeah. enforced you? Yeah. Wow. I was, you know, I was like 13 or something. The little Howley kid got in his way. And he just Dude! <laughs> talk about bad karma. <laughs> Craig, the, the owner and founder of Town, Town and Country. Country. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That is What awesome. a great story. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, that's so crazy. Um, what was that first board that you got? Like, you well, the first one was a Hobie, a, a nine-foot Hobie from my wow. neighbor. Yeah, used old board. I had to fight my brothers to take it because they'd come down and grab it away from me. And yeah. What, now, were your brothers into surfing too? or I had two older brothers, and they surfed a little bit. We all kind of started, but I, I had the passion, and they didn't keep with it. Yeah, yeah. So It's hard to do when you're in Hawaii, though, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I just oh, loved it. I, yeah. I just, for some reason, it just, I just loved it. Yeah. And, and at that time, you guys are in Kailua where it doesn't get a lot of the, any big swell, you know? Because no, it's not the, no, it's you know, North little, Shore. Yeah. Like, took a few years until I got a little more skills. Then, then uh, there were some amateur contests and started competing. And there's, uh, it was HSA, just the little amateur events. And there was guys, Larry Bertelman, Michael Ho. Come up yeah, because uh, those guys are pretty much the same age group, right? Larry was a year ahead, okay. so he was always. I was in the boys with Michael, and he was in the juniors division. So yeah. fortunately, I didn't have to tangle with him much in the early days. So, who was your like surf buddies as Groms? Did you have any or some Kailua guys? But once uh, I, I was going to Kailua High School, and uh, Michael Ho and I hit it off, so I'd pick him up in my Volkswagen Bug. We'd dig some change out of the ashtray enough to to. Get out to the North Shore and go surf out there. And so is Michael out. from Kailua originally? He was from Waimanala, which is the next town over. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'd go pick him up, and Derek, the little brother, was like 
you know, beat it, kid. You're not coming. You <laughs> <laughs> can't come with us, Derek. Little brother, always, always yeah. get the beat down. You stay home. Yeah. <laughs> so when you started getting better, right, <clears throat> before your amateur contest, and like you said, your dad took you to Chun's or whatever, yeah. and Craig cracked your fin off. Um, how was that, like, progression, you know? And did what did you do with that board? Did you get it fixed and then... Yeah, I went in. I go, Dad, you got to do something. He's like, yeah, let's just get, let's just get out of here. Uh, I can't. I, I must have got the fin box put back in. Yeah. I can't really remember. I yeah. just remember the trauma of yeah. having my board smash. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, so, yeah, I just kept you know surfing in the amateurs. And Michael, um, yeah, I got to know him through the contest because he was always the top competitor in the amateurs. And then when we were in school together, so then we just hit it off and hanging and then... When uh, uh, we started on tour, I was hanging with uh, Michael and Hans Hedeman came along. He was a, a year or two behind us, and he okay. came along and, and uh, soon after uh, joined us on the tour. Yeah. What, on the amateur days, what, was there like contests all over the island, like Queens and Makaha or Miley Point and yeah, all Oliva, the island, yeah. like you know, yeah, Chuns, Makaha. Queens. Yeah. Yeah. And then were there winter events where you're like a, a junior and you're surfing like, I mean. You won a sunset contest at 17. So yeah. what age do you start doing the, those events? The, the early amateur stuff was usually the smaller stuff. But then as you know, I got a little bit older in the yeah. events. And then it's, they had that amateur event at sunset. Which I could just imagine. Yeah, 12-year-olds. Yeah, okay, sunset's 10. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when you first started seeing guys like Larry Bertelman, like what was that like? Because, I mean, he is one of the most progressive surfers of that. You know, era, he was right? just always laughing and fun and just, you know, just loose and just yeah. uh, super nice guy. Great fun to hang out with yeah. and just amazing in the water and just revolutionizing yeah. what you could do. Because it's kind of crazy to think how progressive because you, you kind of were at the tail end of longboard, right? When I started, it was longboarding yeah. and it was just the beginning of the shortboard evolution. Yeah. yeah. And it was single fin shortboards and then it turned into yeah, single twin fins for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Almost all the 70s, you know, except till like, what, 77, 78 twin fins, or? Um, I mean, I think it was 79, wow. eight, 70, so probably 79 that, that MR came on. Yeah. But Dang. back in the amateurs anyway, so I was competing in all the amateurs events, and then there was uh, U.S. championships in Huntington Beach, 1971. So my dad brought me here. Because awesome. uh, wait, so you were doing well in contests? Doing and... well. At first I was, you know... Not getting, I'd get through a heat or two, and then I started making all the finals, and then I started winning some of them, and and uh, so I qualified for the Hawaiian team to come to the U.S. Championships in Huntington. Sick. And uh, I remember hearing that leashes were just starting to be used, and guys had these cords here, and and uh, so my dad brought me here, and I realized that the water was a little colder than uh, just, <laughs> I was used to. Just a little bit. So we walked up the street to. Surf shop Jack's, Jack's on the corner and went in there and bought my first full suit and, and adapted. Oh, and I think I made it to the final and got fourth in that in 71. Epic. And that was yes. uh, like a, you're like what age? Like 15? I was 14. 14. 14. Wow. So I think I was still in the boys division. Wow. Was, yeah. yeah. And so your, your dad was pretty stoked and supportive. Yeah. Of, of, Always. of your surfing. Yeah. And we, we talk about those early years on, on like, 
you know, you, you excel in the contest and now you're seeing the best surfers from the East Coast, the best surfers on the West Coast, and obviously from Hawaii where you're at, and you start developing these relationships and I'm sure all the guys are like, Buzzy, Vic, I want to come stay with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can I come over to Hawaii? If I get a ticket, can I sleep on your couch? Because typically that's what surfers did, you know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure I just opened up a lot. That of... didn't start in 71, but that started a little bit later. Yeah. yeah seven, you know, it's just sort of... The progression you know, still, of... Friendship. I got in the final, made fourth, and wasn't a big deal. I didn't get much notice. Michael yeah. Ho and Berlman, um, what, you know, got a lot more attention at that time. Yeah. They were the stars, and I guess... I think 1970, I believe, was Lopez came out and was uh, shooting the pier with a helmet, and David Nuiva and Corky Carroll were the surf stars, and yeah, yeah. you know they they were the main attraction, and we were just the, the Groms coming up in the in the lower division. So yeah. no, you know, what all, cool. all eyes were on those guys, and I, I was just tripped out watching those guys and watching Corky and David. What a cool era, though, you yeah. know, like where you know. They, they were dominating longboards yeah. and they were like the top dogs the and then top, the next yeah. you know generation of you guys is starting to come out and dominate the single fins and the shorter boards side slipping and then shooting the pier I was just tripped out watching that and it's like whoa yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's commitment yeah. so growing up in Hawaii acclimating you know from your shore break to gradually you know getting your chops and, and bigger surf like what was that like? Because for me, it's a mystery. I mean, Larson surfs bigger waves, but me, I, I, no, no, thank you. But, you know, you being from Hawaii and seeing the waves that you've. Well, you I, 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 I tell my kids as they've been learning, and it's what I did, is you just got to work your way up the ladder incrementally. Yeah. And I started um, when driving out to the North Shore from Kailua, the first spot was Velzyland. And it's not, it's not the biggest wave, but it's a tricky, challenging wave on a shallow reef. Yeah. And so I got really good at Velzyland and then, um, you know, started riding Sunset on the smaller days and realized that, that Sunset is just a bigger version of Velzyland. So mm -hmm. from my knowledge of Velzyland, all of a sudden I kind of knew the lineup at sunset pretty well, which is one of the trickier lineups ever, you know, it's the tides and the swell yeah. directions. But I always like that the more inside bowl was always the hollow. It's like Velzyland, you can kind of go deeper and get the ones, but the hollower ones were that little yeah. the, on the inside west corner. So that's where I was always kind of favor that and sunset's the same thing. Yeah. What a great analogy, because I, I never thought about that. Dude, but that was now, now way picturing the waves, I'm like, it's, you're right. You could get the, the deep north, you know, no, streamers all the way through, or you just more face. I wanted the barrel ones. That yeah. was always my choice. And in my mind, I'm thinking, how the hell is he comparing Belzyland to Sunset? No, but the, <laughs> the, 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 the reef is exactly sunset. the yeah. same lineup. Once what you, a once trip. you know it, yeah. Um, and and I mean, at that time, you know, like you said, it's it's a it's a stepping ladder, you know. Yeah. But did you have the? You felt like you had the courage, and you, you wanted to. You were watching the, the older guys dominate. Oh yeah, I was you're watching like, the guys. I want to do that. Yeah, I was. I'd go watch the the Duke contest at sunset. Yeah. Watch the, you know, Nat Young and the, all the yeah uh, the I cows and all those guys were Barry Kanai Puni. I'd go watch them trip out. Wow. And, and there's like a worked in. back then. There's definitely a pecking order, right? Like you, oh yeah, you kind of had to wait your turn and, and like earn your way in the lineup in each spot, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's what I've noticed now is like the, all the etiquette of, of the olden days when the crowds were smaller have changed. You know, if somebody's sitting deepest, you honored that. You didn't just paddle right around them and think you're taking the next one. You, yeah. you let the guy 
take his turn and, and, and wait. depending who it was is a, a you know big guy you just stay out of their way because if yeah. you got in their way they're going to give you a slap you know until yeah. you beat it so yeah. you know you can't do that nowadays it's the kids are calling the police if you even look at them wrong so it's it's yeah. different that there was that that uh, pecking order and yeah. respect base of respect of the elders and the and the people that pay your dues pay your dues and just had to work in and try to get your scraps and and work your way to the peak when you yeah. could I think it's, you know, it's so important because everybody wants to go to, you know, Hawaii and catch waves, you know, but, yeah. you know, just to understand the lineups and the, and the bars, you guys spend a lot of time watching. I know we spoke yeah. to Machado about it and that was his, one of his biggest challenges and hurdles is get comfortable at pipe. And it's like, yeah. I spent days and weeks and months just sitting there and watching it and watching yeah. people and yeah. the good guys and what, what, you know, and it's a learning process. Yeah. So and then you gotta have the balls go. Linda <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Lennon> doesn't. Hell <laughs> no. Yeah, when it's your wave and then yeah. you're going go, and then you look at the drop and it's like beyond vertical, and you pull back once, then you're done. You don't get another. You don't shot get another you chance. You have to go if you're gonna make it or not. If you yeah. don't go, then yeah. there's your chance. You're back in the line. Yeah. For, and everyone no, just no looks respect. at you and just goes, yeah. And, and that's and, it, bro. That's it. You had it. You had your chance. <laughs> and, and you spoke of no leashes, and that is like another huge hurdle. Like you know, like. Today, you know, yeah, you got that little safety cord and stuff, but you know, yeah. you're surfing sunset and you're a half a mile out in some challenging waters. You better have yeah the, the mind strength and the current yeah. nowhere to go. Yeah. So losing your board at sunset was a big, a big, uh, a big swim, a big challenging swim. Took a lot of time, but the good thing was that sometimes a cleanup set would come in and clean up half the lineup. So if you somehow managed to dodge it then yeah. all of a sudden you got the lineup emptied out for a while oh while everybody God. regrouped but yeah. now that never happens there's everybody nobody yeah. ever gets flushed out of there yeah dude when i was a grom i'd see like michael ho and bobby owens and some of these guys they, they would still wear no leashes yeah be 10 yeah. foot and they'd be yeah. like how they dodge sets coming through like everybody's getting clean and they're you know they're they're the ones out the back, and yeah. the lineup gets clean. They're on. The Sunset's way. tricky because sometimes you got to go deeper. You, yeah. lot, instinctively, you want to head for the channel, but at the certain peaks, you got to go deeper to dodge them. If you go to the channel, you actually get put caught. yourself in a worse spot. So it's yeah, yeah it's tricky. You have to learn which way to go. And did you get comfortable in, in like all the different places? Like, did you get comfortable pipe? Yeah, I I made uh, four pipeline master finals. Yeah, so surf pipe quite a bit, but. It was, I was never the guy sitting deep at the peak. I was always kind of finding the rights and finding the medium ones that were good. Yeah. The pecking order, you know, was always Jerry and Rory and <clears throat> Mike Armstrong. There was always the guys that would just sit there. Like Jerry would sit for an hour yeah. or two or whatever it took to get that right one. And he'd sit in the, in the peak and he'd wait and he knew the ones he wanted. And when they came, he'd get them. And, yeah. and so that I mean, those are the, those are the gems that come in. So you you know that he's going to get them. So you gotta. I always had to operate on the on the B waves. Yeah, and always, you know, I always think about that when when guys like you that grow up on the North Shore and and you know each spot has its own you know pecking order, mm -hmm. its its own like nuances yeah. and yeah. like you, you when to get good and ma not because you never really master it, but you get the hang of it right yeah and the 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 hours and patience and time 
of of like okay you're sitting in the right spots and you you know some people tell you and, and show you the ropes a little bit but then sometimes you have to figure it out yourself right oh we had to figure it out ourselves back then right. and now I, I was just at sunset and there's there's coaches and stuff they're taking all the kids out and they're showing them all the stuff now when the set comes here you go there and, then, and this is your lineup for this yeah. and at this time it's like Took me years to learn all that crap, right. and, and he's just teaching these kids like one go, like it's you know yeah. this is the board to write, this is the end, this, you know. And yeah. They just they get such a push to catch up to stuff that we had to learn. Yeah. I mean, there was no videos, there was surf movies every once in a while yeah. at the and, and theaters, that, and that's and that's, that kind of sucks for your your generation and stuff. Yeah, but it's yeah. also pretty cool to see like the support and the, and the evolution of the of the you know of the the sport and the support yeah. that these kids are getting yeah, yeah. you know so some like, of it yes some of it, yeah the, the, the four coaches and the staff and the yeah, handlers yeah. i mean it's a little overdone trainer on some, yeah. coach nutritionist and yeah. he's 14 oh, yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah at 14 man i just wanted to like so surf going back to uh your younger days do you do you remember who your first sponsor was my first sponsor was a little company in Kailua, a little surf shop opened up called Local Motion. No Rob way. Rob Burns opened it, and awesome. that was my first sponsor. Rob Burns? Rob Burns. Uh, Ronnie Burns' dad? or No, unrelated. To unrelated, him. okay. And, uh, and wow, I so I that got, guy. I got two boards, two t shirts, and a bar of wax, and sorry I can't help you with your airfare. <laughs> <laughs> But you got two boards. Yeah, I got two boards. That wow. was huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that those are like custom, like hey, were custom they, boards. Trade, yeah. trade so that, that, that guy shaped. That guy Rob, shaped. Rob shaped, okay. but then he also uh, uh, started getting boards from a new shaper on the North Shore, uh, Pat Rawson. No. So way. Pat was one of the early guys shaping for locomotion. But what a trip! So I got to get some Rawsons early on. So that guy, Rob Burns, is the creator of Local Motion. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that was your first sponsor. Yeah. How, so, how because, old were you? So what happened was I, I made it into the Smirnoff Pro Division, made it to the semifinals at Waimea, like you're yeah. saying in the intro, but I didn't, I didn't make it to the final, but I think I won 50 bucks or something. So back then, then I'm considered a pro. Wow. And as a pro, you can't compete as an amateur anymore. That was the drawing line. If you ever Take won money, money yeah. then, you know, I should have not taken the money, but I did, oh, 50 bucks, you know, how yeah. cool is that? But then I couldn't, for two years, I couldn't compete as an amateur. Wow. So. You lost your amateur status for 50 bucks. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for surfing YMA, you said? <laughs> yeah. I can't, I'm not sure you'd call what I did in that heat surfing, but I did paddle out and get one. Yeah. But I was terrified. Yeah. It was, Dude, why a Maya? Yeah, like, it was a massive, There's a whole, that's another subject game. of like, was that, have you been out there prior to that event? Never even seen it breaking. Never, wow. Never seen it breaking. But anyway, back to Rob. So <laughs> I, in, in 1976, Randy Rarick put together a group that would travel to South Africa and Brazil. And there was uh, trials for the events there. So anybody could enter the trials and try to work their way into the main event. So in 1976, I went to South Africa, surfed in the Gunston 500. Was this the IPS? Or it was, this was the... before it started. That, this okay. was the, the framework that would become the IPS. Okay. So Randy Rarick. Randy Rarick, okay. yeah, started that. And, so, and then went to Brazil, and I got pretty good results. And then at the end of the year, 
they decided let's take all these events around the world and make that a world title and and PT was declared the champion and I was 10th in the world 70 the 1976 okay yeah and uh how amazing so it's like okay well I'm a pro surfer now there's something a pro tour but I had no sponsor so uh, you know I reached out to like clothing companies and watches and all these writing these letters trying to get you know sponsor me I'm going to be a pro surfer on the tour and and couldn't get any sponsor, so I had to. Because there you know, wasn't really. There was yeah, it wasn't. What was what brands were out doing was anything? Not, not much. It was like board builders, and <clears throat> that yeah, was pretty much, much it. T-shirts of a shop or, so or a brand. My my dad had a door company, so I I take his truck and I made these little WeHaul anything signs and posted them up on, on telephone poles all over Kailua, and I would just go move furniture, haul trash, whatever, try to make money. So I earned enough money. Travel earned enough money to get my ticket around the world again for 77 and that that was that was really the first time that we knew going in that it was a, a world title i mean a world what tour. a trip because yeah. we talked to we interviewed pt and and he talked yeah. about you know the same thing like trying to do the tour with no money no money and, and they yeah. he would shape a bunch of yeah. boards yeah and he would sell them along the way yeah and sell my, my clothes boards along the way just yeah. to keep it going yeah, I make uh, three hundred and fifty bucks, you know, in a final somewhere, and I was like, I could pay my hotel bill and and keep the wheels turning. That's yeah. so crazy. That's called uh, that's that's called drive and being hungry and just dealing with you know. The so so you worked money. with your dad as your first job, or did you? Yeah, have any I, other jobs? I, I he had a, a door. He bought a door business, so I'd sweep the floor and assemble doors and and do all that and work whenever I was home, and then. Uh, once he kept telling me, you know, I kept doing well. And I made finals. He's like, you've got to win one. You've just got to win one. So just that was my goal. And I just trained super hard. I'm going to win one. I just, that's all I could, I'd wake up. I'm going to, I just planted that. I've got to win. I've got to win. And came together at the World Cup in 78. And so the World Cup was, was where? Sunset Beach. Wow. 10 okay. foot sunset. Yeah. So it was big so, pumping sunset. It was big pumping sunset. I I worked through uh, kind of a tough lineup to get there. Simon Anderson, Michael Ho, Sean Thompson, and then met Ian Cairns in the final. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> that was the, that's the who's for, who for the, fucking for professionals. The day, it, was a yeah. little, it wasn't the easy way to the final, but I no, managed but to get there. Taking down and, some heavy hitters. won that, and then by winning that, that opened up a lot of... Uh, a help for me, you know, sponsors and stuff. So yeah. I could carry on and, and I continued to do the world tour. Was it Lightning seven. Bolt that was your first sponsor? Locomotion. No, no, I meant clothing. Um, you know, back then, I, I, I did some ads for Quicksilver, got started in, in like 78 or something. Wow. So a couple, a couple companies. Before, uh, before was, Quicksilver USA or was it Quicksilver USA? Or? It was Quicksilver USA. Okay. After they started and they, uh, I think it's one of the ads in, in, the, in the book. Is, Epic. Is, uh, yeah, one of the early Bernie Baker and they gave me 200 bucks for, for an ad, but they didn't sponsor me, but it was just used me in the ad. How weird. That's what, yeah, that's what I heard they were, they were doing back then. Yeah. yeah. Like, we don't people have it. We wanted. Don't have it. It wasn't, we, there was no team, really. There wasn't anything, but we needed yeah, like advertising. All, like advertising. Because everyone so, had, like PT said, he got a pair of Quicksilver ones and the pink ones. and Well, we went down to, when we went to Australia... And went down to uh, Torquay. There was Quicksilver and Rip Curl next door to each other, and they yeah. gave us these new board shorts that were specifically made for surfing. And uh, you know, Hackman had been there the year earlier, and they gave him a pair, and he took that home. And then 
you know, later got the license and, and yeah. next door is Rip Curl Wetsuits. And uh, that was that was where those guys started and, and grew as the industry grew. Yeah. Yeah. And they started on a handshake. You make wetsuits and we do board shorts. Yeah. yeah. Like that was. They were in this like same building. It was like. Yeah. Next door to each other. Don't bite us. We won't bite you. And <laughs> yeah. look what happened now. So, sorry to backtrack, but what was your first like international surf trip? When I went to um, South Africa in 76. Okay. Yeah. And did you get any like mag coverage from any of these amateur like when, when like what was your first mag photo my first mag uh first shot in a magazine was actually a cover shot of Velsyland wow. in 74 got the cover cover that was my first i've never been in the magazine i started with the cover no freaking way <laughs> who does that <laughs> wow you get the mag i'm not in it anywhere but i'm just on the cover so yeah. wait surfer magazine surfer magazine wow yeah. 74 74 do you have a copy of that? Uh, I do at home. That's yeah. epic. Yeah. Dude, that so, so cool. who took the photo? Do you remember? Steve Wilkins. Wow. Yeah. Big and did he, like, that day, do you remember that day at Velzy? I remember the day. It was a really good, but I mean, he took pictures, you know, they developed the slides, and you, you have no and idea. It's not like, oh, here, you know, come in, look at this on the right, camera. Right, I, right. I had no idea. But did he tell you, like, hey, I got some good shots of you today? No. 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 I didn't even see him. No, okay, did, did he tell you when he heard that that he got the cover? And I didn't you? know till it was on the stand. Shut the like, front yeah, door. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. There was no communication of... And you know, how, how old were you? Uh, I was in high school, like 16 or 17. Dang. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah. And back then, everybody knows. Like, yeah, you, you had to get to develop. The magazines are on the you know, West Coast. Yeah, and yeah. You, who knows in the stacks of slides and if it's ever going to get printed, you know? Yeah. Wow. How long was that? period between that day and seeing it on the probably six Mac months or something six months yeah oh yeah <laughs> how no, fucking how stoked were you i just i was shocked i was like yeah. wow that was well, cool did you go to food land and there was it food land or was it just like at some no, other was a, a surf shop somewhere some really yeah, I in the surf shop and like, oh my god that looks like wait that looks like me what <laughs> oh my god i'm on the cover yeah super excited wow and yeah, that you, was that just meant the world to me so you had a pretty like you know like early success yeah early incredible like you know cover a surfer you won it at 17 the, you know like yeah. the, the schmearing off and then yeah. got into the pro like did no, you, no wonder you went pro early. Did you take that cover and show it to your mom and dad? And just oh say, yeah, oh yeah. See, it's paying off all this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all this salt water, all this life I'm spending in the water. Um, and you, you were still going to school. Like, was it like Kailua yeah, I was, High I was, School? I was in Kailua High School. Kailua High School. Up, yeah, my my senior year at high school. Wow. Did you you graduated from Kailua high school? High school yeah. Okay. Did yeah. you go to college? I went on to uh, Windward Community College and got a two year degree. Sick. Yeah. What is that called? The AS or AA? AA. AA. Nice. Associate's degree, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Not just a pretty face. He's got brains behind that <laughs> yeah. thing, too. You know, well, he's got some so, backup plan. So that's where I was taking a writing class, and, and my teacher said, you know, while you're taking this class, I want you to keep a journal and write every day, write what you did, how you felt about it, and stuff. So I started keeping this journal. And then after the class, I went, this is kind of cool. So I kept keeping the journal, and that's kind of the why I was able to write a book because I, I had all the memories. journal. Yeah. And also I was a little photography nut. I always had cameras. So everywhere I was going, I was shooting pictures before anybody was, you know, really doing much. There was yeah. photographers and everybody else was not a photographer, but I, I was a little 
sneaky photographer trying to get behind the scenes shots and how sick yeah on the tour I, a bunch of the shots in the book are are my shots of you wow know, different guys along the way like just what what was your like look just capturing the moment or yeah what you're at? I, I was just, just trying to get just capture it so when i went yeah. home i could show my friends and like this, this check is out what this happened yeah yeah how cool and was it was it a technical camera like back then where you had to learn all the you know, apertures and, and photos. Yeah, I had a Pentax and yeah. it was, yeah. I, had to, I, I took photography in, in uh, college too. Oh, so, so that's good, uh, yeah. So I was, always loved photography. And then in Japan, I think I won one of those point-and-shoot cameras that became very easy because it was really good to get candid shots with that. I'd just pop it out and yeah. get a shot. So when, you, you obviously wanted to become a professional surfer, right? I mean, kind of. Or was it? It just sort of, I... Back then, a professional surfer, you got to compete in, like, there was two events on the North Shore or something. It was like, oh, that, that'd be cool, but it wasn't like, oh, that's, that's what I want to be when I grow up. It was more, you know, the guys weren't making a living. It was just, they were yeah. competing. And so it wasn't really my plan, but I just, I like to compete. I love surfing and I love competing. And it's just, the, the competition scale just kept moving up the ladder till it was the, the tour. And I just sort of... Yeah. It just sort of was um, on my path. Because you said you were a little younger than Larry Bertelman, yeah. right? And it seemed like Larry Bertelman was like... He was a superstar. A superstar, yeah. right? And, and you know, it seemed like he was making money from like OP and what was he, Town Toyota, Country? Toyota, Town yeah. Country. Yeah, he got some big sponsors and outside the... Yeah. Yeah, he was very flamboyant and... And he kind of uh, just did it from home, him. right? Like, he wasn't... Traveling around the world too much. He d he did travel okay. some of the tours. Yeah, yeah, he traveled in the early days. But Hawaii has, has and always is like the mecca of you know like surf, surf. You know, yeah. with yeah. with the coverage, with the big waves, with the contests, yeah. with you yeah. know, like that was the the zone. So you're in a good good spot to kind of flourish. You know, what was tricky, like going to South Africa, the uh, the contest the the Gunson 500. Sean had won it like four or five times in a row it's all it was all south african judges wow and then and then we go to australia and it's all australian judges and then we go to hawaii and they go well we this is hawaii we got to have an international panel so we gotta, you know so yeah. we never really had our home court so there was definitely some bias some, some that's probably the word yeah yeah, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. sliding know, scales it was, uh it was, judging it was tough to to beat sean in south africa and Nobody could for like five years in a row. That's crazy. Yeah. It, but, uh, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that, that, those days, I mean, there were some, you know, dominance like Mark Richards, obviously, you know, Shane Haroon. So, uh, yeah. uh, 1980 in the Stubbies, um, I made it to the semifinals and Dane was in the other semifinal and he advanced to the final. And then I had this local uh, hero, Peter Harris, and uh, in the second semifinal, and I came in. All my all my friends were like, "Oh, you're in the you and Dane are in the final. We're so stoked! Like, wow, a Hawaiian's going to win Australia. Only Hackman had been the only guy to win in Australia." And then, so we're all standing there. I mean, the Stubbies was a huge event. There was just thousands of people in the big tower. Yeah, they 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 read off the judges' uh, results, and and it was. Uh, Peter Harris uh, beat me by half a point. 
and went on to the final and beat Dane in the final. So the next morning I'm down there and they're breaking down the vents and I'm, you know, I was happy with third, but um, I ran into the one judge from Hawaii was on the panel. He goes, I got to tell you this, there, your heat was a, a draw. And the Bill Bowman, the contest director, went to each judge. Can you break the tie? Can you break the tie? Can you break the tie? No, the last judge, Australian I can break the tie. 0.5, Peter Harris. Done. Wow. And that's how they broke the tie, rather than have a reserve. And wow. that and, and I was just just oh, think how many times that happened. Aussie, yeah. yeah how many times did that happen? For sure. <laughs> right? I so mean, it still happened. Did <laughs> yeah. did uh was there like some shit like that well, frequently? I, like I didn't I mean normally I didn't get the intel from the judges. I just yeah. happened to know the one just, Hawaiian judge cuz he traveled there with us to to be on the panel. Yeah. So I got that intel normally I wouldn't get intel yeah, you, or not you, know. You mostly get it from the appearers on the beach. I yeah. like, "Oh yeah, yeah you, you smoked that, that guy." Or, or, yeah, it's close, but I still think that one way, you know, they always you know, people break down the So did that cause some like friction and rivalry more? I just put a fire under me, you know, yeah. just, yeah. you know, I want to win here. And then I, I ended up, that was, uh, that was 1980. And I went down to Bell's and uh, I took a, the nose of uh, Paul Nielsen's board in my hand. And I had eight stitches in my hands. I wore some dry glove at Bell's and didn't do that well. And then that was just healed. And I went back to Sydney and the surf about. And and uh, with I just I just wanted to win it so bad. So wait, and, what, what happened? You you took the nose you, of yeah. We were at Bell's and and uh, all of us were out free surfing before they were going to start the contest. They blew the horn to, to call everybody in. A bunch of us took off on a wave together, and Paul Nielsen and I were riding a wave, and he cut back as I was turning, and the nose of his board was going right for my privates, and I just <laughs> I just got the palm of my hand there. In time to catch the nose of his board, Ooh. and you got stitches. Oh yeah, it was uh, it was a big gash. Holy yeah. shit! Gnarly, yeah. So you got stitches and then surfed the contest. Yeah, <laughs> no, nothing was gonna <laughs> keep me out of the water. Yeah, that's a flesh wound. I put yeah. a like a yeah. uh, dishwashing glove or something yeah. on my hand and surfed anyway. But it was that definitely was a handicap. That's crazy. So then so, the, so, so onto the surf about, and then uh, they there was a few days where there was. Uh, crappy conditions so they were they were waiting and my parents uh this was the first time they'd ever been overseas but they'd been in new zealand and they came to australia to watch me compete in the surf about how cool and they so the waves are crappy so they did a a uh, expression session day and i was in the bracket i surfed shane haran in the bracket that i was going to be in the contest i thought i surfed really good and it came in i got last and i'm oh. like oh man this but it was just an expression session, but it was not, it was a bad omen. I, oh, it's not looking good for this contest. But then the <laughs> contest started and uh, my first heat, I had the, the winner, they had a trials, 122 of the local hot shots in the trials. And my first heat was the winner of the trials, Dominic Wybrow, little goofy foot. Dominic uh, Zappa Wybrow. I remember yeah. that name. <laughs> wow. First heat. Yeah. And then, and then I had, uh, uh, Jim Banks. So you beat him. And then Shane, yeah, I just okay. beat him super close. And then ben, Jim Banks and then Shane Horan, the defending champion. And then I had Sean and, and I worked my way into the final and Critter Byrne on, in the other side of the bracket, um, 
took out Mark Richards. He just hassled them crazy, got the waves, and somehow was able to just clinch MR. So I ended up in the final with Critter, which ended up being my easiest heat of the entire event. Damn. Wow. And uh, a couple yeah, of dark horses kind of going yeah, through that. Yeah, that was dark horse. They, they had the car with Mark Richards. He was the current world champion. He'd been winning everything. And it was like, yeah. you know, it was just, it was a shoe in that MR was going to win it. But when Critter took him out, and then I had my chance. And what were the conditions like? It was, you know, it small. small like it was Narrabeen. Narrabeen. And uh, it was a lot of lefts in the earlier rounds and then the finals was uh was a lot of rights yeah so it, as the sand changed and stuff so, so yeah. you and critter burn yeah we're in the final yeah okay and so we do the first one it's a two out of three final. Oh, wow we did the first one and i was on a roll i thought i just killed it and came in and i barely won it and i went okay but well, i got that one yeah, yeah. And so okay you guys got to pal out for another one and as we're walking down the beach the tv crews stopped critter to, to interview him, and I just kept walking. I paddled out. I got to the lineup, and they started the heat before Critter was even out there. And a perfect <laughs> set came right to me. Boom! I got it. Was like well, you had to get four waves in your heat yeah. too. And I had like one off the bat before Critter even hit the lineup. That's awesome. amazing. Just, just you know, I was just on a roll. The stars went, were aligning. It just it went right. It was like boom, boom, boom. I knew I won that one. Went in two, two head straight. Head and... down. All about the event. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just... Camera crews will get me when I'm winning. <laughs> and when I and your parents were there. And my parents were there. Oh, dude. What, were, yeah. what, what was the prize purse for that one? That was the biggest prize in surfing history at the time. It was uh, twenty grand. Well, what? Twelve, twelve grand and a car with uh, MR's picture on it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's so, huge. so going back to the, uh, <laughs> like, was there rivalry between Americans and Australians? Oh yeah, because because oh, yeah. the, the was, word Seppo comes to mind. Yeah, no, that was you know that was this is now 1980, so this is after the busting down the door and all that stuff. Yeah. Where, oh my God. Where, where yeah, you were there coming on, yeah. right? So I had had some rivalry rivalries with some of the Aussies and one in particular, Ian Cairns and I, for some reason, really uh, locked horns, I would say. He, and he wrote a book and he blames me for being super aggro. And I say, he taught me everything I know. <laughs> you heard it here, people. Hey. Oh my gosh. A couple of macho, like, surf rats, like you guys, I can only imagine I that. Was, there was... I was in a heat at Haleiwa with Ian and I mean, you had to get four waves, and this wave came, and I'm paddling for it, and he just paddled right around me and, and, and called me off the wave and took it. I went, oh, oh, that's, how we oh that's how we do it. Okay. So and then he was paddling for a wave, and I did it to him. We both stood up. He turned, and, and Bear Hug tackled me over the falls. Who no, got interference? Nobody. The nope. judges were like... Was there a rider up? You know, they, you know, you, I don't You're think the judges use binos, and they're like, "What was that? Wow. Was, did, did you happen? go to blows? The gloves came off. No, I didn't go to blows. He's he's like six two or something. Know, he's, <laughs> like, he's not the guy I want to go to blows with. Yeah, he's a big blow. <laughs> Plus, you don't want to ruin that face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy that, that was, shit! That's so yeah, great. I don't know how he thinks I was the aggro guy. I just I learned it from him. Yeah. I I think uh, history. <laughs> if you look back. History proves that there's one aggressor there. <laughs> Kanga. But, you know, like, Sean was, you know, tactical, but he was never super hassler. Yeah. Or MR was, you know, tactical, but he wouldn't, he, he was, 
smart and yeah. fair in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, he'd paddle any position, but he was never, never like, like Ian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably the most aggressive dude, right? Like that I encountered yeah. for sure. PT yeah. not so much, or was not so much, but really no, tactical, smart and tactical, yeah. but yeah. not not ruthless. Yeah, yeah. How was Dane Kiloa? Dane was tough. Um, uh, really good competitor, tough, uh, and but not not ruthless. Like yeah. if you got a wave, you got it. You yeah. knew. But I had I had a Pipe Masters final. It was a four-man final. I had Dane, Michael, and Derek Ho, and me. Four-man oh final. Gosh. So, and we were going trying I'll, to go I'll get right, the scraps. right and left. And so Michael and Derek, we pull the brother like you know I'd get Split on this side of Derek, so because I know he's going to go left, and then the wave comes, and then Derek wants to go right, and then I'm on on this side of Michael, and then yeah, he, how you, you know, get so a, it was how you uh, get to win that one? I I didn't. I got fourth. <laughs> Yeah, the only guy that had a chance without the last name Ho is Kealoa. (laughs) I think Dane won that final. Michael was second, Derek third, and yeah, it was. But just to be able to surf the Pipe Masters with just a few of your bros, I mean, you're really close to the Ho bro. I'm sure all of those guys in Dane, you know. But but in the water, you know, it's like you're not, oh, you go, Michael. It wasn't like that. No, no. no, not at all. But you you weren't certain. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's, you know. In the water, you're intense. It's it's crazy to think of the the way you guys did it back in the day. You know the world tour, like you you. I mean, there's no money. You guys had to fucking, you know, sell shit to to get yeah, to totally. one place to another. Like, well, and what's what's crazy is um, you know how contests now they're sponsored by well, it turned into like uh, more endemic companies. You know, whatever contest sponsored by Quicksilver, sponsored by Billabong, but back in the day, it was you know the, the contest you won was a Smirnoff event. Yep. Right. Yep. And and Coca Cola. Coca Cola and the radio two SM radio station. Yeah, yeah. and Sunkist, right? Yeah. Sunkist used to sponsor. Yeah. Uh, surfing contest too. Yeah. It's like, why don't they do that again? Yeah. You know, we need like big money corporate sponsors to to help yeah. support. Well, we got a little bit of. Uh, Jose Cuervo, I think, you know, yeah, and yeah. Corona and Michelob Ultra. I mean, there are. I mean, but it, they, they, you know, back then it seemed like they were the push. Of, yeah, you know, sir. And they were sponsored. on the ABC Wild World of Sports too. Remember that? Like <laughs> quick story. Well, you know, so but... I, I was in Australia. I think it was '79 for the for the surf about, and uh, my friend was doing all the publicity. He said, oh, "Well, 2SM was also sponsoring some concerts, and there's this new upstart group." Duran Duran was doing a harbor boat cruise. So my friend said, you want to go on the boat cruise with these guys? And I, like, I'd heard a couple of their songs, but you know, and so I'm, I migrated to the back of the boat and these guys are sitting there smoking a joint and it gets passed to me. And then the guy, I pass it back and the guy looks at me and goes, who are you? <laughs> I go, I'm Buzzy the Surfer. Who are you? He goes, Simon the Singer. No way. <laughs> wow. Simon LeBond. You Le bon. smoked yeah. a joint with Simon, Simon LeBond? Bon. Yeah. Bon, Simon LeBon. Simon. <laughs> he just said, Simon the singer. So before, singer. <laughs> before I forget to ask, how did Burton become Buzzy? Who gave you the name? Yeah. Well, um, my mom nicknamed me Bert, uh, nicknamed me Buzzy pretty much at birth. Oh and wow! So your for, mom named you Buzzy most of my life. I I didn't know where it came from, and then I'd say five years ago, my my current wife Barbara asked my mom. 
Wow. Where did the name Buzzy come from? And she said, never told anybody this, but in, in school I had a crush on a boy named Buzzy. <laughs> so, wow. So that's all I know. How crazy. And yeah. she named you Buzzy. And she named me Buzzy. That's awesome. Because yeah. I, I don't know why I'm it's, enamored by, by nicknames. Yeah, you know, just, I feel like it's, it's a, a cool thing to have. And, yeah. uh, you're and sometimes it's not, in your, it's not your control or how yeah. it sticks. Yeah, it just, you know, sometimes you have a few and then one just... There sticks one yeah. sticks and, and and is you like yeah. you're, you're like that guy i was in first grade and the teacher kept calling roll she'd go burton kerbox and i'd sit there <laughs> and at the end of the week she called my mom why isn't your son in school he's supposed to be in school and she goes he's been there every day <laughs> try next time try call buzzy buzzy kerbox my hand went up oh he's here <laughs> just, that, i didn't even realize that is hilarious first grade, i didn't even realize i was burton i just just was buzzy yeah. i was just nobody called everybody called me buzzy yep that's crazy. So going back to those early days of, of world tour professional surfing, <clears throat> did you ever make any decent money and did you pick up sponsors or? Uh, I went through uh, several. Because you won that 20 sponsors. grand. Yeah, I won that. And then uh, I worked with uh, a, a lot of different companies for a short period, but nothing ever stuck. Yeah. Went through and uh, uh, then that. In the early '80s, I was sponsored by. Um, well, after I broke up with Light with uh, Locomotion, I started my own label, Buzzy Kerbox Designs, in 1979. No way! And I was having uh, boards made in uh, Australia and South Africa and Hawaii, and selling selling my label boards. But Buzzy Kerbox Designs. Designs, but it just it didn't go anywhere. And then early '80s, I got sponsored by uh, Team Bolt. I came, I was on the Lightning Bolt team with. So what, MR and and uh, when you Gary. started that company, the surfboard, yeah, a surfboard company, yeah. Who did, who did you come up with the idea, or did somebody say, "Hey, you should start your own boards"? Well, that way you can make after some money. I uh, broke up with I broke up with with uh, Locomotion, they had a big connection with Minami Sports, a big Japanese company, yeah. Yeah. and I had a big in, and I thought that was going to be a big market for me. And yeah. I thought, well, I'm just going to do my own. You know, so that just didn't pan out. Oh. <laughs> but that, that, I mean, that was pretty so, common. I wouldn't say it was like very yeah. common, but a lot of guys yeah. were like into their own shapes. I'm going to yeah. shape my own boards. Like it was kind of like the DIY era yeah. of. But did you shape? I, I didn't shape. Yeah. I never shaped. You're just going to put my, your name my on logo it. on but, but a that design, was, design board, but not shape. But there wasn't a lot of clothing brand. It was boards then. You yeah. know, as far as yeah. if you're going to start a business, it was going yeah. to be a hundred goods boards. Your era was OP. The beginnings of Quicksilver, but OP, Lightning Bolt, Hang 10, Canvas by Caton, which was popular back then. Yeah. Didn't yeah. you ride for Lightning Bolt too, the clothing company? Well, I was on Team Bolt. Yeah. Team so Bolt. it was, that was boards and clothes, the, okay. whole, the whole thing. And then uh, in the 82, there was this uh, insurance company, UIA Insurance, and this guy, came and wanted to sponsor all of Hawaiian team. And he said, how much are you getting from Lightning Bolt? And I told him, and I got a thousand a month and two boards or something. He goes, I'll give you 1200 and a whole quiver and pay your travel. So I quit Lightning Bolt and went with Ray Keller and the UIA surf team. They were sponsoring buttons and uh, a bunch of us. An insurance company? It was an insurance company. And that, and then- Did the guy surf? Four or? months later, no, he's just enamored by it. Four months later, He's like, oh, you didn't make the team anymore. So I quit Lightning Bolt, 
And then I got dropped from them, so I had no sponsors again. So it was... <laughs> what? Did you call them up and go, you uh, dick? <laughs> I, was, I called Lightning Bolt back and tried to crawl my way back on it. Sorry, you know. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're done. There's no coming back, you know. I mean, that's that's just tough to go through, you yeah. know. Because like, that's could, Jerry, right? Like, well, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Jack Shipley. was... It was uh, at that point, I think it was bigger than Shipley. I think it was mm. gone more corporate. Got it. I can't remember. It might have been Shipley that I, I call. I, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, in a few years. When did you start riding for Maui and Sons? That was after uh, after that. Insurance? After the insurance. Okay. And uh, then uh, Maui and Sons sponsored me for several years. How, how did that happen? How did that connection happen? I can't recall, but it just... It, uh, Jeff Yokoyama yeah. got a hold of me and, and put me on the Maui and Sons. Um, which which was, was the coolest, hottest new brand. Fuck, right? man. They, they came out of the gate. They and came out. And I was uh, one of my modeling friends, Andrew Smith, was sponsored by them. And so I think he got me in. So I was on the, on the team with them. What a trip. Yeah. Did he surf or was he just a model? Uh, my friend, friend Andrew was yeah. a volleyball player. Okay. Yeah. Famous beach volleyball player. Okay. So when did you... St- start modeling well it was uh 1978 i was in australia i had uh excuse me it was 1978 in australia and i uh, after the subbies contest i was surfing burly heads and i pulled into this barrel and i came up and there was no tension on my leash i thought oh crap i broke my leash and there's rocks in there and and then all of a sudden the board came from under the water and just hit me across the stomach like a baseball bat and just completely winded me and uh i really hurt but i kind of made it in and it hurt but i got my breath back and then uh the next day we were flying down to bells for the bells contest and on the plane about halfway through i just got sick and started throwing up and i used up every little throw up bag and every all my friends seats and From then being hit in the stomach by your yeah. surfboard wow yeah, but it, i'm just like I, I couldn't figure out why at the time i wasn't thinking oh this is because i got hit i mean see, that was over and done i thought i'm fine and yeah on our way i just uh, you know I, I didn't know what it was what a trip and everybody all my other friends are like fucking get away from kerbox and the plane <laughs> yeah, landed yeah, they all bailed <laughs> yeah get away and a flight attendant found me throwing up in an ashtray in one of the terminals, one of those round ashtrays. You threw up in it. on the plane and then yeah, out of the plane? I was like dry, still dry heaving by then. I, what there a was trip. nothing left. And so she took me to the nurse's station and they ended up taking me to the hospital. And Holy uh, so shit. the doctors examined me and said, we want to do um, emergency exploratory surgery. We think your intestines could be severed and you're going to... Um, Bleed out, bleed out internally, and and it's going to kill you. Were, were, was there any swelling or just nothing no. visible? Wow, yeah, just no black and blue, no. Because that's pretty quick to turn black and blue, but still, yeah, like, you, no, would, you would probably get some contusion, like Mark. No, it sure. wasn't swollen or any. It just what the so, hell? And so I said, okay, well, when can I be back in the water? And he's like, don't worry, we'll have you back in the water for three or four months. Oh my I said, God. three or four months. I got bells on Saturday. No surgery. Yeah, <laughs> so fucking rugged, so no, old school. Surfing was that was my whole life. It's yeah, like I'm I'm making it to Bell's, dude. I'm get what there. a and fucking so, trip. So while I'm in the hospital, my I got out of my bed with my little gown. I went to the nurses' station, asked if I could use the phone. I went to call my dad, 
and you know call my dad collect in Hawaii and tell him I was okay I'd been <sighs> hit but because uh, I mean he didn't he had no idea so no when you opinion. said no uh, surgery sorry to cut you off the doctor looked at you and like are you fucking crazy mate Cause you're, yeah it's like you could die yeah you could yeah, die you could die but well, in your head you're like I can't miss bells I'm, I'm not gonna miss bells whatever if I die I die I'm, I'm not gonna miss bell I'm not getting wow. surgery that, you know so I called my dad, it's, it's, I'm fine, I'm in the hospital. And then he goes in, uh, by the way, this uh, photographer from New York called you, Bruce Weber, and wants you to call him Collect in New York. So c- c- Hold on one second. So before we start talking about Bruce Weber, but so you're in the hospital, you had to spend the night. Yeah. Uh, were you like shitting blood or anything like that? Like Pissing blood? Did, like, no, no. Just nothing. Saying, I was blocked, I couldn't, and, n- nothing either way. And wow. were you able to eat? Like, no, you no made your food. you 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 said through caution to the wind by not and not having any. I, I mean, I'm just tripping out on like a doctor telling you well, we're gonna have to do surgery, and you just said fuck you, I'm not gonna do surgery. No, no you're not doing because I'm a surfer and I'm a pro surfer and this <laughs> is what I do, and and you could die. Right? Like that was said to you. Yeah. And you said, I'll nope. take my chances. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So when I couldn't eat, so when they come in, there was like two other guys in my hospital room. They bring the trays of food, you know, and pull off the tray. There'd be food. And they'd bring me, pull the car off mine. It was like three ice cubes. That's all I could was chew on was uh, some ice. Okay. How many days were you in the hospital? Five. And did you get a fever or anything? Like, did, like was your body like... Yeah, I, I had a little bit of a fever. And, and then they, uh, they gave me this barium stuff that you drink. It's like really like drinking uh, plaster of Paris or something. Just mm. this gnarly stuff. You drink it. And then they can x-ray and see what's going on. There's, in, yeah. In, in oh, wow. Okay. And they, they saw that there was a blockage. And after four days, the swelling just released and, and it was okay. So on the fourth day, so the the trauma swelled just swelled the intestine. Intestine swelled shut. Dang! How? What a freak accident! Yeah, it was weird. It's like that is a bizarre like injury, but yes, I mean you weren't. I don't know. Could have gone south real easy. When when you called your dad and said you were in the hospital, yeah, and you told your dad, yeah, they want to do exploratory surgery, but I said no, and and your dad said. Sounds like a good idea to me, son. <laughs> How are you feeling? You think you can survive this? Like, yeah. I think by the time they that I called him, they had already done the barium and, and okay. realized that it wasn't severed. So yeah. By the time I, so he, he didn't realize the the jeopardy I'd put myself in right. until after you know after they oh it's 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 just blocked. Yeah. Obviously, you made the right decision, but that's a scary decision. That is crazy. So I got out of the hospital. I lost like ten pounds. I made it to Bell's and and uh, bombed out in the in the first heat. Oh, anyway. So anyway, yeah. I said call Bruce Weber. So I I, go, I tell the nurse, you know, can I make one more call? So I call from Australia to New York. I don't know what the time difference is, but I caught Bruce at home. He answered and, the and call. You know, and did you know who he was? No idea. Yeah. No, no idea. idea. Wow. Did your dad know who he was? No, just some photographer from New okay. York called. Had no idea. I mean, okay. pretty much back the then city. the world, nobody in the hardly anybody in the world knew who he was. And right. then he was just a starting kind of an upstart photographer, fashion photographer from New York. So we had no, we had no idea who he was. So 
just uh, I called him and he answered the phone and he said, um, we'd really like to fly you to, to New York to shoot for Vogue magazine. And I go, you got the right guy? I'm just a surfer. I don't, yeah. I'm, I, maybe you called the wrong guy. I don't know. And he goes, no, no. I saw a picture of you in a surfer magazine and, and I uh, convinced Vogue to, to uh, bring you here. And we really, really want to do a shoot with you. Was and, there anybody else that he had for this? Uh, just other, uh, just other, other surfers other, or no, other just other uh, New people. York models. All the other models were from New York. Okay. Anyway, so he gave me the date and I said, you know, can't make that sorry I got a surf contest you know I'm a surfer I can't that's that that probably be fun but I can't make it and hung up the phone I went uh, to Bell's and then the surf about was next I bombed out in the first round of the surf about and I started looking around for a pay phone ran over called them again collect got them again you know there was no messages I don't even think there was answering machines yeah he wow. answered my call again and I said, is it too late? Can I make it? He goes, well, you got to be here by like Friday. So I flew from Australia, stopped in Hawaii, did my laundry, reset, flew to New York. I got picked up at the airport by a bunch of the other models. We had to drive out to Long Island. Did, 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 did he discuss how much he's gonna, you were going to get paid? Oh, yeah. It was a whopping $125 a day. A whopping hundred twenty-five dollars. <laughs> but everything was covered, like you yeah, know, they all covered. expenses. But yeah, you make it. So, but like, so it wasn't. It wasn't like. But it was yeah. still a substantial amount, right? Back then, were you, were you nervous? Well, I wouldn't say substantial, but, but it was decent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was like, I don't really. What am I going to do? And like, I'm meeting these other models, they're, and they're all. Yeah, I'm a professional surfer. And, I'm not. A, well, I'm, I'm going to go up against these professional models or guys so, that know so, what they're doing. So we drove out to to Montauk. Long Island, a couple hour drive, and we get out there and. And we walk up to, in the dining room, and it's Bruce Weber sitting there with Keisha Keeble, the editor at the time from Vogue. And I walked up and introduced myself. And and uh, later I read they because it's it's been like in fashion magazines how that started. And Keisha Keeble, they said, well, what did you think of Buzzy when you first saw him? And she said, well, he's short but spectacular. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> other models were I was obviously... the shortest guy, yeah. 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 I was like 5'9". Everybody else was like six feet tall. So, but, so we did that. We did that. We shot for four days and then... Uh, four days of modeling. Wow. Yeah, four days of modeling. And you had never modeled really except for like surf brands. That... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and Bruce was... He shot a lot of film. I mean, he'd like shoot 40 rolls, you know, duh, 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 and, then, yeah. and then say, turn your head a little bit. You know, he, was very, <laughs> he really shot a lot. And, and, but he, he knew exactly what he wanted, like sit just like this. Yeah, I mean, with different group, group shots, solo shots, with the girl shots. And with his direction, you know, he just made it really comfortable. And I, I was somewhat used to being in front of the camera. So was, um, it was pretty easy for me. Yeah. And, and, uh, Later, later, Bruce said to I me mean, when I interviewed him for my book, he goes, you know, the camera's always liked you. It's just like some people it likes and some it doesn't. It's like it's yeah. It and it, the camera always liked you. And wow. just, just that's a good compliment. I, mean, that's a, I yeah, guess that's just, the best compliment you can get from a it's photographer. Just luck. I don't know. I look in the mirror. I go, I don't see it. And then the, yeah. the pictures somehow it's just. Yeah. Certain, he like tapped a double take. That's me. <laughs> wow. Who's so, that guy? So when, so when, okay, sorry. So uh, Bruce, uh, after that, I went back and, and uh, I stayed at Bruce's place in, in the city. And then uh, the Vogue crew, like, well, we're going to this club tonight. 
we want you to come. Studio 54. Studio 54. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking way. So yeah, little, my little kid rolls into Studio 54 wearing like an Aloha shirt. <laughs> wow. And it was like, my stuffy. eyeballs just are like, oh my God. I mean, that was in its the glam. The, the heyday. Yeah. Andy Warhol. I mean, it was it was. Andy crazy. Warhol was there? That was there, yeah. And it, was just, it was just crazed. Holy so, smoke. It was like... Like we got there and there was like hundreds of people outside in line waiting, and then yeah. the, and the red then carpet the, rolls out. With the, you know, the bouncers would like, pay, "Oh, you can come in." And one of the our group went up and talked to him. Oh, we just shot Vogue magazine, so they just like we hung on to each other and they pulled us through the crowd and get inside for free. It was like I don't know, thirty or forty dollar, you know, to get in. Yeah, I go to the bar. Beers are ten bucks, and the guy's a surfer. Goes, hey, Buzzy, here's a beer. <laughs> so, he knew who you were. Yeah, New York, I was shocked. Surfer you know, guy. Surfer guy. How and fucking awesome! Gives me awesome. free beers. <laughs> Have you been in New York before? I didn't expect anybody to know me in New York. Yeah. Had you already been in New York before? No, that's my first the trip. First time. First time. So you're, I mean, the, this whole experience of. This photographer you've never met before, you never heard of him. He says, "Come model. I saw you in a picture in Surfer Magazine. We're gonna shoot for four days. You're gonna make 125 bucks, and then all of a sudden you're you're in the inn of the New York glam squad or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you're like that this was a long way from Kailua. <laughs> and it's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> Did you know about Studio Fifty Four? Never heard of it. Never even no heard of it. Idea. No idea. What's and then all of a sudden you're like whisked away into the, cause I mean, that's a big deal. The, the, the preferential treatment, like, yeah. you know, you, you probably drove up in the cab or your limo or whatever. You're like, Holy shit. How are we going to get in there? Yeah, yeah, right. Like, like how, you're like, Oh, oh God, man, I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. stand in line. Yeah. And then they just go, Nope. Whisk right in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think too, you know, you're with, you're with some New Yorkers and they're trying yeah. to show you a, a good time. time and like, yeah. Oh, we yeah. just did this. We're going to yeah, take you out and yeah. show you a night on the town. Yeah. And, so, wow. What so a the, that Vogue shoot was for like an editorial piece? Editorial or? In, in, in Vogue. Okay. And so af, after the shoot, while I, while I was still in New York, I stayed for a couple of days. Can I, can I ask for, one thing? Yeah. Was it surf-related at all? No. Not at all? Not at all. So there's no like surfboard in the background, no, no motif, no... And, what, no. and what, what was the other models like? Nothing like a, a, a surfer with probably blonde streams? No, there's a couple of shots in my book. It was just the other models yeah. of the day that, that lived around there. It's just all, all models. No other like athlete or surfer. Or yeah. Anything. Okay. Just, yeah. They just, just threw me into the, the group. So. I want to see that because I like, what was the theme of it? Like, it was just a, a fashion-y, you know, thing, kind of a fall fashion, okay. different clothes. and Yeah, so different brands. Red jacket. All the models tried on this red jacket, which... Um, turned out to be, I, I wore it, um, the, the shot they used on me was like the cover of the inside of the men's, it was like a men's part inside Vogue magazine. So my, my shot in the red jacket ended up being like the, the opening spread of, of that, that story. Wow. And so Bruce back, back at, uh, in the city, then Bruce went to a place and got some Xeroxes of some of the shots. And sent, he goes, you got to go see these agencies. I went to Ford and Wilhelmina and all the big agencies trying to, you know, get signed up with a modeling agent. Yeah. So, you know, you got you to gotta sign up with these guys. So I went in there and I showed him my Xerox pictures from Bruce. And 
and I said, because he's know, kind of a big time photographer. Well, already. he was he was starting to come real, on. starting to come on yeah. strong. He had, he had he had worked for Vogue once before, and they didn't use any of his shots. Wow! But then he'd done some other stuff, and this was his second shot with second time shooting for Vogue. And at that point, and then he'd gotten some other clients, so he was on his way to becoming, you know, yeah. more, more famous. But anyway, so, so he he recommended to you like go to these agencies. And, yeah, and I said, well, I'm five nine. I live in Hawaii. If, uh, you know, if you get me a really good job, I'll fly in because all the other models stay there. You go in castings. And yeah. You see all this stuff. It, and, it's a cattle they, call for, and, for most people. Yeah. And right? they're like, well, you know, call us when you move to the city and we, we'll talk about it. So I went, whatever, I went home. And so uh, the magazine came out and I had a bunch of pictures in there and that was cool. And my friend, nobody really saw it. None of my surfer friends read Vogue or anything. So yeah. nobody really knew there was... No idea. Now, and then, were you were you proud of it? Were you like stoked? You were like, you know, yeah, what I mean? no, it's fun. I've yeah. been, you know, being in surfing magazines and stuff. So yeah. now I'm in Vogue magazine. That's like the, I mean, the this, cool fashion did magazine. You get, were this you married or this guy was scraping together to like get a ticket to go to a surf contest halfway around the world. He's <laughs> getting flown on it. Somebody else is dying. Getting paid, guaranteed. It's like winning a contest. <laughs> totally. But you know, because he was a pro surfer. Yeah. No. I and you and no one, you know. Yeah, like your your friends don't care about modeling. Yeah, they, your kids, no. yeah. you know, your friends don't know yeah. Vogue. Yeah, right. So, so like when when I ask you like, well, are you proud of it? You know, you're like, did you did you like show people your friends like? No, no, no. <laughs> See, that's kind of crazy. I mean, my close friend, a couple of close friends. Yeah, but I'd like, be like, dude. Yeah, I'm why would I want more competition yeah. if they like a surfer? They look at all these other dudes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want anybody. This, yeah, this but my he he. he <laughs> He turned down the career because they wanted him to move, move to New York. City. Yeah, move to the city. You know, move yeah. to the city. It's like, like, it's so funny because he's so nonchalant about it, yeah. right? Like, you were so nonchalant. Like, you know, yeah, I'm going to do this this one time. Oh, you want me to get an agent? Okay, well, here. Oh, no. You want me to move here? Like, no, nah, I'm going to keep doing yeah. this. I was back on the pro tour. I'm yeah. certain that's my job. That's, you know, this was just a little sideline for fun. And yeah. Yeah. Now, did and you, were you married or did you have a girlfriend at that time or? I had a girlfriend, my high school sweetheart, but when I went on tour, she, she uh, went away. Yeah. And she didn't wait for me. Yeah. And, and, and then, I mean, I know the old contest. Can I, can I interject real quick? Sorry. Let me yeah. finish my. Okay. That's why I asked <laughs> if he had a girlfriend. Okay. So you guys want some boxing gloves? Yeah. <laughs> we, we did. So, so so you like you know, you just made a fucking. You're in a magazine, Vogue magazine. Did you use that to get chicks? No. Because <laughs> I would have. Guys already on the cover. Oh, surfer, check me out. And, uh, no. Oh oh, did I drop that? Oh yeah, that's me. Uh... <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> I wanted to know about like the the payout. So you you know you made four days of shooting, hundred you know six hundred bucks or whatever. Yeah. Was it like they could pay you cash, write you a check, oh, like, write a like, check, write a check? Yeah. Because I know like the surf contests are usually we're we're paying you in like cash, cash. No, or was, cashier's check. It or, was Condé Nast, you yeah. know, big major publication. So yeah, like a, come, two months later they come send you a check. Out. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, wow, that'd be you know like. When am I going to pay? Like I'm yeah. in the city. Like I'm yeah. broke. Like yeah. I need some uh, upfront. Like <laughs> so, you were already uh, writing for Mally and Sons, or not yet? Not yet. Okay. No. So so okay. The magazine, the Vogue magazine comes the out. Vogue magazine comes out, and, and the red jacket, looking dapper. Yeah, I, all's all's groovy in the magazine. But I, you know, that was put the magazine away, and life went on, and still surfing. 
And then um, Bruce was becoming more famous as a photographer, so he's in a meeting with Ralph Lauren to uh, do a catalog shoot for because back then Polo didn't even do uh, advertise magazine advertising; they did catalogs. Catalogs were the big thing, yep. and so they had an up and coming catalog, and so they're having a meeting. And Bruce goes, well, I worked with this guy, Buzzy, uh, in Vogue, and just so happened that I was wearing Ralph Lauren clothes no way. In, the, in the Vogue shoot. Wow. Some of the shots were Ralph Lauren. So he showed it to Bruce. And so uh, Ralph had me flown into the city. They dressed me in, in, in polo clothes and sent me into Ralph's office to have him check me out. And... Been working for him for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. How nervous could you be getting dressed up to go see the head honcho in his office in New York? Yeah, well, yeah. did you even know what Ralph Lauren was? Yeah, I mean, they were they were big back then, but not yeah. not near what they are now. But they were, yeah, they were, they were the big fashion company. Of- so when, when Bruce said, hey, you, this, you have this opportunity to model for for Ralph, were you like, fuck yeah, or were you like, okay, cool? Well, yeah, uh, you know, I wasn't, Nothing to lose, like, like, like just, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a catalog shoot, and what, you know, it wasn't super big money back then, it was like, you know, what, yeah, I'll give it a try. Yeah, so, crazy. so he said, yeah, we're gonna fly you out, put, put these clothes on, you're gonna meet Ralph. We went out, and uh, right after we went out and did a, a shoot, my first shoot for them, for the catalog, and uh, they used a bunch of my pictures in their nailed first, it in their catalog and and mailed those nailed out. Nailed it like his pipe drops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say it's just another day of hey, Belzy. Bottom dog drop down. Right? It's, it's, it's all how you look. So we got the doggy door. So I went back and I was still touring, <laughs> and then um, can I ask though before before you start okay. like that day that you met with Ralph, yep. right? What was like. Was it just you? Is it you and Bruce? Was it like... It was just me. I walked in his office, just me and him. Just just you and Ralph Lauren? Yeah. yeah. And what was he like? Like, what what did he say? Like, oh, you look good in that photo shoot. He, no, it just, we just talked. Oh, you're from Hawaii, blah, blah, blah. Didn't really say what he thought or, you know, I had no idea. And just, yeah. We talked and kind of just rambled on for like five minutes conversation. And yeah. he's very, you know, down to earth and just, you know, chatted and... And uh, and I walked out. I had no idea what he thought. Yeah, you know, because that changed your life. Yeah, right. Yeah, like that moment in time. Plot point right there. Spin yeah. some other direction. Yeah, yeah. That was, it it set yourself your course for the rest for what you're doing now. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah, and and I I want to really like talk about that experience of like because here, here you're nonchalant about it again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, you had a conversation. You didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. You you shot the catalog. Catalog catalog went out. Well, it seems like then, you're good, you're, you had a good experience at first shoot yeah, out to New York. Yeah, and you, and you, and you probably fun. thought like a catalog show, hey, it's probably another $600 gig or, you know, yeah. you're going to make some money and cool. Yeah. You didn't. What know. was the pay for that? Yeah. Um, Do you remember? It was a, like, Fifteen hundred a day, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was getting better. better. And the same girl, this girl Jane Gill, that was in the Vogue with me, was cast in Polo. So I, I knew Jane, and then we were working together, and it was uh, that was that was cool. It was yeah. That's a huge jump, and that's yeah. a lot of money. Like yeah. And you're how old? Uh, early twenties. I was like twenty-one or something. Dang. Yeah. 
Damn. That's so incredible. $1,500, $1,600 a day. Yeah. And they pay for everything. For everything. And, and, and you're fine going Do you get to keep and... the clothes too? No. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that later. <laughs> that. that will come up later. I, I, I take a couple pieces. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, the laundry. so that happened. Yeah. Now, did you want to start doing more modeling or like what happened? You know what I mean? Like you saw this money, you know, you, you're like, fuck Bruce, I'll, t- I'll do any other gig you got. You're like, well, I just went back home and, and carried on. It was like, you know, it wasn't like, it was a, I wasn't going to move to New York and try to be a model. That wasn't, that wasn't that me. Wasn't, I wasn't yeah. going to do that. I mean, it, it doesn't did you matter. throw any feelers out there for more, you know, well, jobs? At, at that time, Bruce set me up with this new upstart agency called Click. And so Click was where Bruce would send people, models that he discovered, would go to Click, and Click would take them. So Click started handling me. Okay. So now I got an agent, and I'm in Hawaii, and so my agent calls me up and goes, Buzzy, uh, Polo wants to shoot with you for five days in Marina Del Rey in this boat shoot. And the dates happened to overlap the World Cup. So I said, sorry, sorry, can't make it. I'm a surfer first. I can't make it. He goes, my agent's flipping up. Buzzy, this is Paul. You can't, you can't say no. To that. And this is probably the first phone call that you got from Click. <laughs> yeah, it was like the first call. <laughs> the first call. And I got, can't make it. I've, I've got a, I'm, I'm surfing in the World Cup and I'm defending my title from, from yeah, last push, year. Push the shoot a week. And uh, they pushed the shoot a week. No! <laughs> they pushed the shoot. Move the whole thing hey, back hey, a week to this guy's got cloud over to here. To take my surf schedule. Hey, click. <laughs> you know who you fucking talking to? <laughs> this is fucking Buzzy Kerbox. We're going for the World Cup right hey, now. This is Burton Buzzy fucking Kerbox. You push that fucking thing back. Push it back. No, click. I, I had no idea they would do that. I just, I was like, surfing was my priority, and I went, yeah, whatever. Good for you. I mean, that's hats off to you. Sorry, I can't sure. make it. Good. For you know you. what? Uh, Duma brought this quote up because the, the sexiest word in the English language is no. <laughs> and there you, there you go. Yeah. Tell them no. So after that shoot, Buffy, that's, uh, uh, was Ralph's right hand woman, um, said, you know, Buzzy, what's it going to take for us to have you when we want you? Would a contract do that? I went, yeah, yeah, that would do it. So I became the first male contract model for Polo. Wow. In, in 82. Nice. <laughs> so wait a minute. So then, then I had to work 14 days a year, but whenever they wanted. <laughs> oh my God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's... That was the contract. We we're going to, we're because that was a, what, a couple catalog shoots. Like, hey, we're going to well, do Well, now two. they were starting the, 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 uh. You're on a retainer, right? A contract. Yeah. Contract, retainer. yeah. So, and well, the shoot that, that we did was Marina Del Rey. It was these shots of uh, us on a boat and yep. stuff. And they are still using some of those shots to, to this day. Dang. So those... The Marina those, Del Rey shots? The Marina Del Rey. And then, and then we got, we did uh, a safari, African safari shoot actually on the big island. Mm-hmm. And it's been written in these fashion magazines that those campaigns were like the most memorable campaigns in fashion history yeah yeah before or since 
I vaguely remember the, the I one mean, on I the just happened to be yeah. on them. Did yeah. Bruce Weber shoot those too? Yeah, Bruce yeah. shot all of that. But I remember the cub shot, like the yeah. you know, like that yeah. was like yeah. and yeah. you know, I mean that was why that was like breaking barriers right there. People see my book and they go, yeah. I remember that shot yeah. from that was like forty years ago and it's yeah. still it somehow that it was groundbreaking stuff and then family and so and that So Buffy after that photo shoot in Marino Del Rey. Ralph and Buffy probably talked, right? And they, like, hey, we, they we said, can't this, be pushing stuff around. This is, yeah. We got a lot of other people. Yeah. And this, make this. He is the Ralph Lauren guy. You, you just, just like. I just happened to look enough like a Kennedy and something, all American, right? something. Yeah. That, that just, you're Americana. Your face yeah. exudes Americana. And I'm, what Ralph Lauren wants to portray. Right? But I yeah. bet it was refreshing too for a lot of that industry people to deal with somebody that's not groomed as a you know yeah you know you're probably coming in like dude that guy was awesome easy to work with like he was low-key and and obviously you nailed the look but a lot of the other you know things that go along with just the photo helps so buffy calls you and says (laughs) hey we want you to be under contract with us so we can use you anytime 14 days days a year and we'll let you know in advance and did they tell you how much like or they we'll were going to pay you, out. or how much that contract that was, was? We negotiated. I, I ended up with sixty grand a year Damn. for fourteen days. For fourteen days, and being and, and being a twenty-two yeah, year old, like <laughs> I thought, I won the lottery. That you fucking incredible. did, bro. <laughs> did. Fourteen days a year. Yeah, there's yeah. three hundred sixty-five days a year. Sixty grand a year for not even. So for, go, for going for going on these shoots with other models that I would have gone on Hold for on. free, you know, I mean, we bro went to Barbados. Okay, let's just say um, that's forty, just under forty three hundred dollars a day on your retainer for his fourteen days. Per back year. then, yeah. that's fucking yeah, a lot. Yeah, of money. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah, that was, and, but also. In a di- that was for print shoots, and then they started using me on runway shows. So we went to Japan, and we did uh, New York, and we did Denver. So that was extra, and then they did a Were chaps- you comfortable on the chaps- runway? Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> oh, did a Chaps Cologne commercial, so all that was extra. So TV. it was... TV yeah, commercial. I mean, that, let's talk about how that opened the doors to many other stuff. I mean, you did stuff for... Um, I mean, I don't know. I had it written down somewhere. I shot for Water a World, beer right? companies, yeah. a lot of other Salem cigarettes, Salem cigarettes, Smirnoff, Sunkiss, Mountain Dew, and we'll get to the waterfall yeah. you know, shot. So yeah, so suddenly, I didn't have to be in New York going on castings. People saw the polo stuff and just went, "We want him." Yeah, did Boston. Uh, I did European stuff. It's, I did Japanese stuff. Show us your resume. <laughs> Yeah. With polo campaign. Yeah. Hey, yeah. how about no? Okay, we want you. <laughs> I don't have that. I just work for a lot of friends. Okay, you're hired. Hey, you want my resume? Look at this. I was, <laughs> I was in New York. I mean, in, in London, we did a, We just finished a week polo shoot. I flew back to New York. I was going to stay for like one day going back to Hawaii. My agent calls, well, the Deutsche Bank in Germany wants you for a five-day shoot back in Germany, but they don't want to pay your rate. They want to pay less. I go, I'm Man. going home. I fly home. Middle of the night, I get a call. Okay, they're going to pay your rate. I had to get on the plane and fly the next day back to Germany. So it was Germany, New York, 
and back. I was just torqued. Wow. But this guy. <laughs> this this <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> I mean, the power holy, of no. The power, the power of no, dude. It's so enticing. And, and, and to keep your head on like straight because it's easy to just get jaded and, and, and go down that route. Like, dude, I'm going to go live in New York. Like, no, the ocean and surfing yeah. was still number one priority. And, yeah. you know, if you could work that around your schedule, it's great. Because we interviewed Ted Robinson, who was also <laughs> yeah. a model yeah. in one contest. Yeah conflicted because they wanted him to stay a couple extra days and he missed the Gunston or, or no, it was one of the other events in uh, South Africa. South Africa, yeah. And he missed he, he was like five hours late. Yeah. And he's like, that's it, I'm done modeling if I, I, I may miss a contest. So, and he yeah. made like 200 grand from modeling in one year. Yeah. And yeah. He, he like quit just like that. I go, I, I was baffled. I was like, Ted, there's off season in surfing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah. back then it was a tour only and events only. You know, there yeah. wasn't really a, a balance like, the, yeah. you know, but still crazy. The, the, what you made a niche for yourself, you were the One first, you're the first Ralph Lauren under contract model. Male model. Male model. Yeah, they had, they had a woman under contract at that time. And when you, when you say that out loud, you're like, what? Like, you, just, you, you got chosen. Like, by Ralph Lauren himself. And to, to have you, like, be picked out out of how many millions of humans are humans, there? Yeah, that's, you know that's what I mean? crazy, yeah. And, and you're, you know, you're not, uh, you're very good looking, but you're not the model type, right? Nope. Not nope. at all. You're 5'9". Mm -hmm. Most models are six. Six foot and above, right? Bruce said, "Buzzy, you don't you don't know how to be a model like do the other stuff." You know, yeah. I could, I was good in front of the camera, but the other stuff, I I you know, I wasn't I wasn't good at. Yeah. And so this click agency was able to get you a ton of other work. Yeah, quite a bit of work. Yeah. So for years, was... and uh, were they using you like anytime like something popped up in Hawaii, we're like we got a guy there, or was it like you're more going flying to, out? More hardly flying shot out. very little bit of stuff shot in Hawaii. Wow. We did shoot, a, I shot a, um, I think it was Self Magazine with this upstart model from Australia. Her name was Elle McPherson. Ooh. Came, came to Kailua and we did a shoot. Wow. Uh, nice. Yeah. Did you work with a studies. lot of other supermodels? Work with uh, Cindy Crawford on a couple of shoots. I worked with um, uh, Joe, uh, Kathy Ireland. Dang, and, um, dude. That's super. The, the Sports uh, Illustrated the super. That was, that was when she had just had her... Uh, Sports Illustrated cover. And, yeah. yeah, it was the heyday. Damn. Yeah, good for you. Must have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't bad. Uh, no, wasn't you, bad. I mean, so you knew all your friends and all your peers that were still like being professional surfers, trying to make it. Like they're making no money really, like except yeah. for maybe a couple guys. A couple that, guys, said you know. That. So and were you able to like set aside like some of that early money and like you know? Yeah, I. I was pretty frugal with my money and set aside. Like good parents, I like a, telling you. Bought a, I bought a, a condo in Kailua and then uh, had some investments. Was you know because that's like so still, important as like still, a young kid making a lot of money. Yeah, you know it's like I did blow some, taking well, all my friends out to dinner and that's, like, you know, that's, kinda, I didn't buy any fancy cars or anything. But yeah, uh, dinners. So were, we, yeah. we, we uh, yeah, yeah good have a good time. I'd always buy dinner for everybody. So did your friends start giving you shit like Michael Ho and fucking? No, they never really. That would be funny, right? Like Buzzy coming back and you know, get 
paddle out at fucking Belzey or, or a lot sunset. of them didn't realize how much other stuff I was doing, like the Salem cigarettes, for example. You know, we didn't see any of it in Hawaii, but when I went to New York, I'm at JFK flying in, and there's like here the, there's the, 20 taxis waiting to pick me up. The one taxi that pulls up to pick me up has got my Salem ad on the top of the taxi. Oh my! We drive God. into the city, and there's billboards, and there's buses, and the subway entrances, and I was all over the freaking city. But, no, but nobody at home knew. And it's it's so not, crazy to me because, like, you know, you're from Indiana, Indiana, and you go to Hawaii, and you're a surfer, and all of a sudden you're on every major fashion magazine, TV. Like it's it's crazy. I, I can't believe none, like Michael Ho would be like, "Hey, model boy." No, <laughs> no, he never gave me a hard time about it. Well, that or just... I would have. Again, (laughs) you got to kind of keep it modest because as surfers are super competitive, you know, now you got like, hey, where are you going? What's your agent? Like, who's that? Who who should I go? Like, (laughs) you got all this other pretty boy surfers showing up. I'd be like, man. So so you still model for Ralph? I did my last shoot. So I did a lot through the 80s. Then I did a couple shoots in the 90s and the 2000s. And then... uh, Two years ago, I got a sh- got to do a shoot with all of my boys, yeah. with your kids. Yeah, nice. Three of my sons. Cool. So that was that was really cool. And where was that located? We shot that in Santa Barbara. Sick. And then that was mo- that wasn't magazines. It was mostly mostly on their social media and and uh, that's how they're a lot of them are advertising now. So there's a yeah. social media campaign from from them. That yeah. Was cool. So weird, huh? Yeah. Like across, you know, all. Industries, you know, like no magazine, no magazine. No I mean, very, very little catalog. So, so you're gonna love this story. So, 1982, I'm in Barbados. We just finished a five-day polo shoot, and the last night we're at dinner, and and uh, Bruce goes me buzzy. Um, I really, we we our flights at like 10 in the morning. I'd like to get up early, and I want to cut your hair really short, and we're gonna do a GQ cover try. Wow. And I went, ah. Uh, I don't think so. I don't really want to cut my hair. Back in Kailua, all the Marines, the Marine base, all had the shaved Jarhead. heads. And I yeah. didn't want to go home looking like a grunt. And I went, nah, I don't want to do it. He's all, no, really, I want you to do it. I, I, I said no. Wow. And so the morning came, we got on the flight. And so 35 years later, when I called him to interview him for my book, I asked him all my questions. And I go, Bruce, is there anything you know that you want to say? He goes, yes, Buzzy, there is. I remember in 82, after the Barbados shoot, I wanted you to cut your hair and do a GQ cover try, and you wouldn't do it. <laughs> Have you learned your lesson? <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. He remembers. Yeah. He did not forget. 35 years. Yeah. Because everybody, Bruce was the star maker. Everybody yeah. would do whatever Bruce said. You know, do this, do yeah. that, and, whatever. And this is after you've already been, you know solidified your career right this is a couple years ago well i I was doing no no no. i'm not talking the 82 yeah i had had the i had my contract and it was you're already all because of bruce all because of bruce i should have done anything but i just i just (laughs) want to cut my hair at that moment (laughs) were you able to bring boards like barbados has got a couple of them uh yeah i couldn't take any boards while we were working there. oh my gosh yeah liability can't can't mess this up yeah Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, go back to surfing and modeling, or not modeling, Maui and Sons. Yep. Tell us how that came about. You, you're saying the Andy 
your friend volleyball Andrew, player. Andrew, yeah, got me connected. So to, I was in Yoke, Mountain Suns for, for a couple of years, and we did a, a bunch of shoots. And yeah, so uh, you were, you were already modeling and and doing Ralph stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but he didn't. He, I mean, the surf con surf wear didn't bother them at that time. It's yeah, like, that's not no. That's not even my 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 question. I bet. Like, Which, think, think about Yoki, right? Like, to have a guy like you that was in every magazine, right? Yeah. That was recognizable all over the world, globally, right? Being the Ralph Lauren guy, and then you representing Maui and Sons? It's good for you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Probably good. Yeah. Like, I hope it, how, I hope it helped. <laughs> how, how crazy is that? Like, and he didn't pay you, right? Not much. Yeah. yeah. Not much. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like riding your coattails, which is pretty well, fucking. He was building his brand. Yeah. It was building his brand. And yeah. Maui and Sons blew yeah. up. Yeah. Blew it was up. you. And he had Ted Robinson too. Yeah. And Laird. Laird. We did it. Yeah. We did a shoot in Fiji. It was Laird. And I and, uh, can't remember who else. But yeah. Yeah. How cool Dream is team. that? You know, when you look back on, on that roster for, yeah. for Maui and Sons. And it was started by, you know, Yoki, who yeah. was one of the fucking most awesome dudes Guides, yeah. ever. Most creative, most, you know what I mean? Yeah. Most down to earth. And, and like, here he is with one of the most successful endemic brands that ever came out. Yeah. He's always on the forefront for and sure. And Buzzy yeah. rode for him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Mr. Ralph Lauren himself rode for Maui and stuff. Yeah. Right? So, like, to, to think out how lucky... Maui and Sons and Jeff Yokohama was. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, never looked at it like that. I, I totally I look at lucky. it like that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, was I mean, lucky. when you're trying to build yeah. a brand, like, you know, having a, a team or a roster or a face, you know, is so important to like get that image out. And, yeah. and you know, like, oh, these guys, oh, they're phenomenal surfers. And then, you know, you got this whole other, you know, aspect of drawing awareness yeah. to the brand. You yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you know, at one point in time, all the big fashion brands we're trying to depict surfing, remember? Not yet. Not yet. That came a little bit later. Yeah. But they, you know what I mean, were, like yeah. that that association. I was your trying face to get and... Polo to do surf stuff, and I just he just wouldn't do it. Yeah. I wanted them to do so crazy. More. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about like big waves because obviously that's a majority of your career, as well as you know paddling and doing all these other crazy you know waterman races and and sports. I mean. We just love, like, and all of our listeners always ask, they love to hear, like, the mindset and what goes through when you guys are, you know, it's a different breed of people. Yeah. You know, you guys. So what happened for me, I was never a, a big fan of Waimea. I was not a big wave surfer. When Waimea got huge, I'd go over to Maui and surf Honolulu because it was, like, perfect. perfect. Yeah. Six to eight, eight to ten foot. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, high-performance surfing. But... uh in 1983 in South Africa, I decided I was going to drop off the tour. I was making more money from, from my modeling. And the tour was kind of going through some changes and wasn't uh, strong. It, was, it went from I, IPS to ASP and some changes and events were dropped. And a lot of the events were in crappy waves. And I went, you know what? After South Africa, I go, I'm just, uh, I'm dropping off the tour. I'm going to Europe by myself. Get, get a Eurail pass, and I'm just going to cruise in Europe. And so Sweet. I went and did that. A little reset. A little, little just... reset, and then uh, I went home, and then I was windsurfing a lot. 
and then I did a, you know, probably late 80s, I did a GQ shoot again with Bruce and Sean Thompson and Laird. And uh, I had known Laird as a kid, but just a little bit. I yeah. mean, I knew who he was, and, and so we kind of hit it off on, uh, on the GQ shoot and started hanging out and windsurfing together. And then um, because I had money for modeling, I, I had my Zodiac boat. And so at the end of that, in the beginning of 90, 91, we were like, well, when the, we freeboarded behind the Zodiac, flat water, just, you know, riding your surfboard. We thought, well, let's take it out to the North Shore and, and try to uh, tow onto some of these waves. So was Derek and Laird and I had been windsurfing a lot in the outer reefs, phantoms and backyards. And once you get out there, you realize it's so perfect. Well, let's take the boat out there and see if we can tow in. So so this is the early 90s? Early 90s, yeah. Okay. So I took my boat, launched it from uh, backyards, dragged that thing down, launched it out of the channel, and Laird and I went out first. And nobody and was doing this. Nobody was doing it. Laird and I went out and uh, dropped into a couple waves, and with my 40 horse, we could just barely outrun it. And went, oh, this is kind of sketchy. We need a little more power. Yeah. But with a Zodiac... You need a short shaft motor. You can just buy any, go to the store and buy the, the right engine for it. They didn't carry it. So, but Kauai and the Poly Zodiac had all their Zodiacs. And so Laird had a connection there and called them up and they found a 60 horse Mercury short shaft. They rebuilt it and sold it to me and uh, put it on the Zodiac. So the next year we went back out there. We threw the steering bar on there instead of hand holding the 40 horse. It had the little stick, you know. Yeah. But the 60 horse was a little tough to do that, so we got the steering bar and went back out, and then we had the power to play, and then we started towing, and we got Derek to jump in our boat, and, and the three of us really kind of got it going. Derek Goner? Derek Goner. Yeah. So wait, a Zodiac, which is like a rubber boat. Rubber boat. Hard, yeah. hard bottom, right? Or just... No. No? No All hard soft. bottom yet. And wow. It, and it yeah. fits four people comfortably? Six four, people? Four, good. Okay. Yeah. And... You guys went exploring exploration during during like a swell. Swell, yeah. And Let's, you saw some like you're like, we all were you already thinking? Okay, we get we can swing each other into these waves with the zodiac with the tow rope. Yeah, that was the intent. <laughs> that was the idea. Let's see who, if that works. Who came up first. with the idea? Who, who you know, said it just sort of evolved? I don't know exactly. Yeah. Um, but you three says it was him. I think it was me. I don't know. We just yeah. kind of it was a collaboration of let's an so you, evolution of what we were doing. And you you figure it out the the motor size, and then so you like go okay. Hey, you know what? We'll we'll get like a ski rope. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll attach it to, well, to the well, we boat. We had it for the freeboarding, yeah. so I already had the rope. Had the oh, board. you already were doing yeah. that. Okay. And then we started going on our big board. These are, you know, pretty yeah. good sized waves, so we need our big gun. So we're using our, I had my 9.6 Rossin, you know, Waimea board, and Laird had a 10.2 balsa board. His dad had made them. Yeah. And so you guys the, got towed in on big, giant big, boards. Yeah. That's all that in the worked. beginning. Yeah. Yeah. We're big our, waves, big boards. leashes, yeah. big boards, leashes, and, and uh, so here we go. Do you remember the first attempt at it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, where I towed Laird on to some at Backyards, and uh, we had, got some really good rides, and then I just pick them up at the end, and uh, on one, I just I swung into position so the handle was right to him, and as he kicked out of the wave, he just 
grabbed the handle, unbroken chain, and we just spun back out for another. Wait, just wait. Went, We're, I so think, you're talking like you, he let go, he rode the wave. And you paced at the same. I and paced it up. on the side, and I put the rope right where he could just grab it at the end. and he just Without said, stopping. Without stopping. Wow. Just as he was losing his speed, the rope was right there. He just grabbed the handle. Now, did the boards have straps? or No, were they... no straps yet. No, Fuck. Didn't know that so, yet. so, like, you know... I don't know what movie it was, but Herbie pulled in a couple guys, Tom, at, Kirk, at Tom Carroll. And at Potter, I believe. At Potter. I didn't you know. see that. I had heard that. Yeah, but, and, but that was just on like the inner reefs, you know. No, that was the outer reef, out, second reef pipe. Pipe, pipe yeah. line. Okay, yeah. yeah. But, but were people surfing like like log with logs, phantoms, like Himalayas? Like were people Logs, surfing? I don't think anybody had surfed logs that, that I know but of. But were people paddling out before? There was guys, uh, I believe they surfed phantoms, and then the, 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 it was later in that season... Uh, we got a really big northeast swell. Yeah. And Larry, Derek, and I launched from Haleiwa. We went to outside Lani Akea. Yeah. And at that time, Fu, Bradshaw, um, I'm not sure how else we're down at like alligators okay. just down the way between us and Waimea. Yeah. And they, they were paddling out there and riding that spot. And it has to be at least 25 foot for those outer reefs to break. Yeah. Right? It, was, like, it, was, it has to be massive. Yeah. Because it doesn't break. So, so that first day was where? The, the first days were at, at backyards, and it was okay. like 15, 15, you know, 10 to 15 mostly. And then we got this really big swell. And normally we'd launch off the beach at backyards, but the channel was just completely no gone. There was no way to get out there. So we went to Haleiwa and launched, and we're driving up towards Waimea. And then Derek goes, stop right here. We're like, what, Derek? It was like deep blue water, way the hell out. He goes, just wait. We're like, what? And we wait five minutes, and then Laird's getting antsy. Laird was driving the boat at that time. He starts to drive in a little bit, and all of a sudden, the set just comes up. <laughs> and it's just this... Himalayas? 20, it was outside Laniakea, Third Reef Laniakea. I'd never seen it, Ray. I'd never even knew. Only Derek knew that it could be a spot. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, out went the rope, and then we had the session. So Sylvain, the uh, French photographer had been in contact with Laird and he knew that we were towing he'd been shooting us at yards and this big day he's like where are you going Laird where are you going and Laird just, we'll be out there and hung up the phone and then so, so, find so, yeah find us so Van's at, standing there at Waimea you know it's it's big Waimea and he sees us drive by with the Zodiac he goes where are they going where are they going so he runs the Runs to a payphone, or he said he actually had a, a early cell phone. He got on his phone, he called the helicopter place, ran to town, got in the helicopter, and, wow. and told the pilot, you know, we're going out. And he was like, where? He goes, I'm not sure, but we'll know when we find them. <laughs> Somewhere so on the north he, he, he got out there and he found us and uh, shot our session. And that was the first epic session really on towing you know, really big waves. What? A, and, wow. What yeah. a story to like have this photographer see you guys and go rent a freaking helicopter, helicopter and found us. Yeah, yeah. Like, was that Chris Van Lennep or is it somebody else? Sylvain Casanova. Okay. Wow. What a fucking yeah. trip. I mean, <laughs> he found us. They yeah. got and got the shots and incredible. Yeah. And I mean, the you know the aerial shots were not really done like back then. You know, was no, much, pretty rare. Pretty yeah, rare. Not everybody. Can, have the, the resources yeah. to go and rent yeah. that? Yeah. Did, did it go in the mags and all that? Yeah. 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 That, uh, that, that, 
that got a bunch of uh, shots in the mag, but not that. I mean, not crazy, but it was it was in. And then once once we took uh, well after that day, Laird worked on a movie, Endless Summer Two. And at the end of the shoot, they they had some uh, new wave runners, and he goes, "Well, for me working on the film, I want you to give me one of the wave runners." <laughs> so they did. So we had the wave runner and the Zodiac, and then we started towing with the wave runner, and went, "Whoa, this is way better." Yeah. Because Herbie's first one was the stand up jet ski, yeah. which yeah. is hard to tow. I mean, it's it, hard to stand on that thing, much yeah. less tow somebody. Narrow, skinny, and yeah, like, tricky. Was, yeah. So we, then we had the sit down wave runner, and then we started towing on that. Went, oh, this is better. There's no uh, propeller to chop us to bits, and uh, you can navigate and do pickups and it better. Had the, it had the power to had like the power to to outrun the waves somewhat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it got better as they yeah. evolved, but yeah. it was probably like starting out on your forty horse. Like, well, these yeah, you, it was. You had to be careful. It was a seven hundred one. Now my my skis are eighteen hundred, so they've come a long way. But dang, double the power. So, yeah, more than double. More than double the wow. power. But so we had those two. And uh, we started using the, the Zodiac as the mothership. And then we go Equipment and board, extra yeah. boards. Extra and boards, and gas other guys. Or, yeah, so we could go. The docking station. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys would just take turns. Like, hey, I'm going to catch a couple, yeah. and then you're next. Take you're going to catch. Yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. So were there like any radical wipeouts at the beginning where you're like, well, I don't know if we should be doing this? My first wave. <laughs> <laughs> Wake well, up call. in particular. Yeah, yeah at, at that at at uh, at Lani Akea. So Laird went first and, and got some and had to wipe out and then Derek went and got like four or five really good waves and then it was my turn. I was always the, the least uh, gung ho of the crowd. I, I was but those you, were big waves for me, but it's my turn, okay, I'm going. So I Laird my board's only nine six. Let me borrow your like ten two for these big waves. We we need a lot of rail. So I jumped on his balsa board, and he towed me into this one. I just I let go of the rope, and it was just beautiful, big outside, just walled up. And I went all the speed. I thought I can make this. I've got all the speed. I start going down the line, and then as soon as I commit and really got like halfway down, I went, oh shit! I I'm not gonna make this one. And I just saw the section building, and I just straightened out. Oh, my God. Got to the God. bottom. I was still standing there, and then the white water just blew by me for a second. I was still there, and then it was like something just grabbed me from the back of the shirt and just ripped me off the board. Oh. I've got the leash on and a 10-2 board, just. and I just get thrashed. And I come up, and Laird and Derek pull up next to me in the Zodiac, smirking like, how was that one? Dude. <laughs> okay. And my that eyes are like... Thank you. You're here. I'm so glad to see you guys right now. How, how big was that wave? You think? Twenty-five foot, uh, thirty foot face or thirty-five foot face? Probably uh, the biggest thing I've ever been on. Yeah. yeah. And the board was ten, ten two, two with a leash, and no, no straps. You're no like no straps, no yeah. flotation, no. Like my palms are almost starting to sweat. <laughs> just you know, talking about it and and you describing it, I can see it in my mind where you're bottom turning into it and you're like, Oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> because it's already walling up and you're like, uh, my only, my only decision right now is to straighten, straighten out. out. That's all I could do. And yeah. avoid the lip landing on you. Yeah. And right? we're talking, the lip is probably like, uh, 10 foot thick. Well, it was, 
it wasn't a super thick wave out there. It was pretty deep water, so it wasn't like a massive thick lip, but it was, I mean, yeah. it yeah. was coming down. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't like a chopu thick lip that I had to dodge. So it was. Luckily, like you weren't caught by another wave, like no hold downs or like. No, there was, they got to me after and the, there was, there was not a, another one behind it. So, but I just grabbed the rope and went straight back out. Okay. And I got another one. So Savannah had gone back to refuel, so he actually missed that the wipeout ride, but he got a shot at me on the next wave, which was equally as big, but it was good, and I made it all the way to the end, and I was just like thrilled. Were you hooked? Like, so you know, like was yeah, it like was, like that first wave you caught white DK again? Were you guys just like? Oh yeah, this I was is like, it. oh my god, this is. And Derek had been up until that day at backyards. Derek was a little reluctant, like. Well, I'll come out with you guys, and I'll jump out, and I'll paddle in. But then that day, Derek went, I get the toe in now, I get it. I see what you guys are talking about. Yeah. So Derek was became a bullet, uh, fully a believer after that day. Yeah, I can just imagine, like, you know, just the boys out the back. There's nobody around, and you just got these perfect bombs coming in. Yeah. You know? Like, these guys big. are fucking crazy, though. <laughs> you guys are crazy. Like, uh, to to go, hey, this is a good idea, you know. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna get there's in the nobody, Zodiac. Why well, has got 25, 30, 40 guys out. Like yeah. there's like three of them yeah, out there. Yeah. They're like, yeah. this is it. Yeah. Well, so you know, the Zodiac will outrun this. Yeah, we're for sure. <laughs> we for sure could outrun waves. We yeah. think. We think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> we're pretty sure we can. And oh yeah, you know, I can take this ten foot two board and get towed in and bottom turn and you know make it down the line. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah, we could do this. We like, could do this until you wipe out, and then you wipe out, and then you're like, "Okay, <sighs> this is serious." But yeah, you know. But the see, adrenaline. out there, if we paddle out there and paddled onto that thing, then being be swimming or caught, you know. But with the boat, then it's, you know, it yeah. took away. Uh, Just gives you more it, opportunity. It took away a lot to, of the danger of, of riding of, the second reef. Yeah, and then and then how what what sparked from that like that session on like well so after that. Um, Larry and I had been going to Maui a lot windsurfing, and Larry got on the phone with Mike Waltz and, and, and told him, hey, we towed onto these, these waves, we used Buzzy Zodiac, we towed on, we had, had these great rides, and Mike Waltz says, well, we windsurfed on that swell, we windsurfed this place up the coast from Hokipa that nobody knows about, it's this perfect wave, and it might be good for your towing technique. Wow. So... We didn't. We didn't have a trailer for the. I mean, I was. We're on a budget. I. I had the boat, but it wasn't. You know, rich. Yeah. In any means. Yeah. But we had the 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 Zodiac and then the Wave Runner. But we didn't have trailers. We just load them in the truck. And I actually had a Honda, uh, Accord with racks on it. We put the Zodiac on the top and tie it on there. Anyway, we, well, we got to take our boats, our boat and the ski to Maui. Dang. So get on a ferry what, or what? No, we're going to drive them there. <laughs> Well, no, you had to ferry it, right? No, we drove them. <laughs> How? From well, Oahu? We, from Oahu, we waited till a, a Conosorp hit, which is blowing t- towards Molokai, and it was a 30-knot and intense, gnarly Kona storm. And so uh, Derek dropped uh, Mike Waltz, Laird, and I off at, at Hawaii Harbor, and we set out in the... Uh, this, we took some extra gas in the Zodiac. Lair drove the, the Wave Runner, and Waltz and I were in the in the Zodiac. We shot across the channel, like how, down how, green, how down far, wind. How many miles is that? Or by... 
Because that's Probably. a little boat, like, to get swallowed 32, up by... 32 to the tip of Molokai, and then... I was probably 85 miles total, I'd have to... And something like that. We got, to the, <laughs> we got to the backside of Molokai, and it's, you know, it's the sea cliffs. It's some of the most beautiful scenery and valleys in the world. So we found some nice little spot that was glassy, and we opened the, the gas, and we're refilling, you know, the, Zo- the, uh, the Wave Runner... And all of a sudden, this valley wind, like 60 mile an hour, just funneling through. It was like, whoa, cover the gas. Whoa, hold on. This gust hit. And you guys are crazy. Up, and then we gassed up. So we got, we got the Zodiac and the Wave Runner to Maui. And then, and then, uh, then we started going out at, at PIE. So 85 miles out of Hawaii Kai to Maui to, yeah. to where you... And Who thought that was a good idea? No G- we all did. We had the house. We, <laughs> like, we no, get there. no GPS, nautical. How did you map? Like, just we could see it. Had yeah. a visual. Hey, we had a did visual. You, did you stop and think? Can't we just borrow somebody's zodiac? Somebody's wave runner? Never thought of that. <laughs> Not too many people had them. And <laughs> there's got to be somebody on the island. We'll pay you that. Bro, bucks. bro. Yeah. We just we did shit like that. We, yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys we'd are. We had been at that point. Uh, um, we had. Paddled across channels. We did the English Channel. We did the Molokai Channel on paddleboards. So these guys the, don't do anything boat, easy. In the boats, easy. You guys to don't do anything easy. You just, you no, just take just every we every just, challenge and you just face it head adventure. on. It was an adventure. Yeah, we're but, going. But nobody thought like, hey, you know, you it's guys know everybody. Big, you guys know everybody in, in, on all the islands. You couldn't have just went down your Rolodex and go, huh? I wonder if this guy's got a zodiac. Huh, I wonder if this guy's got a... No, that Zodiac's that... Oh, can we borrow your Zodiac and take it out in the surf? That was uh, not... There was uh, nobody in my You're Rolodex buzzy on that box, list. Though, and he's care. Laird Hamilton. You guys can... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, back then, no one really knew us. I mean, we yeah. were just beginning our shenanigans. And so, I mean, we're, we're so, just... Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you brought up the, the Molokai paddle and these English Channel uh, paddles and stuff. And, and I mean, what, what was your guys' like... I mean, what, what did you guys do? Like, I just want to paddle. I want to be a waterman. Like, what were these races important or just to stay fit? Well, while I was, you know, being a pro surfer, um, I realized that paddling, because back then it was three, four, and sometimes five waves in a heat that yeah. you had to get your scored on. Definitely. Like five waves in, in a, a heat, short like a 20-minute heat. Yeah. So paddling was really important. So... I, as part of my training to, to try to achieve my goals of winning, I went to, you know, I need every possible advantage I can get. So I started paddle, doing these paddleboard races. I was a member of the Outrigger Canoe Club, and they had these paddle races. And um, I was getting motivated by a challenge, and Brett Goodfriend's name was on the trophy five times in a row. He won the race every time, and I went, I'm going to paddleboard. So we went, and I raced him, and he smoked me in this one race. Yeah. I went, wow, I see why he's, you know, on the on the trophy every time. So I I got with a friend of mine, Peter Curry, and we started training. I thought, because we did the race with no training. So we actually, we did like three or four training runs. Yeah. And we thought, well, you know, and then we went back the next race. And uh, I caught Brett, good friend, and passed him while I was like singing a song just to try to tweak him. And he, I, I passed him, got the lead, and then he pulled out of the race and quit. <gasps> no. He did? Yeah, I, cru- I just I tweaked him. He crushed his... Uh, yeah, nobody ever passed him I, as something. And I was like, ah, I was just singing this song and in my rhythm. And 
<laughs> he's he's, 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 he's hey, he, he Kelly Slater. Then <laughs> <laughs> I got my name on that perpetual, and then Brett came back and got it a couple more times after. But so I became, I started doing uh, paddleboard racing, and then when I was hanging with Laird, we did some paddleboard racing. Got him, you know, there was a bunch of races, and got him doing that. And then one day we decided, let's do the Molokai Channel, because nobody really did that. I'm sure it had been done, but it wasn't a thing. But yeah. I, I actually, my first channel crossing was with Tom Stone, and we windsurfed from the Big Island to Maui. That was my first channel crossing, and then we're paddleboarding. Went, and so Laird and I went, well, let's, let's paddleboard um, the Molokai Channel. And Hans had a place over there, so we flew over, and uh, Hans dropped us off at like 6 in the morning. It was Laird and me. We had a bottle of water, chocolate bar, and a compass <laughs> and we're going and we're going there's no escort there's no epurb there's no safety net it's like no boat falling no, no jet skiing boat, nothing no, just you nothing. two we're going we're with cool. a did you guys a have a conversation like if, if you can't make it i'm not here to pull you in like I, I no mean, we you know but, buddy system but about halfway we stopped to take a break we sat up we had a fanny pack and had some water and talked for a minute and you know, checked out our line, and then uh, we started paddling again. And we were keeping pace with each other, and I was, you know, getting glides, and it was pretty good. And then uh, we we stopped and talked, and then we laid down, kept paddling, and all of a sudden my fanny pack came loose, and like came. Uh, so I stopped, I sat up, I re refixed it. Took me about thirty seconds, and I looked up. There's Larry. Oh shit! He's just gone. And it, I mean, it's like, yeah, it was rough. I mean, it was 15 to 25 knot trade. So when he was in a trough and I was in a trough, you couldn't see him. And we had to both be on a crest of a swell at the same time to see him. And I couldn't see him and I didn't want to sit there too long. So I just, I just continued. Because he had the, the compass. He had the compass. And I, we just continued the line. I continued the line and then... Um, Heat had turned back and slowed up, and then I caught him. And then we, but How scary. for a while, Fudge. I was like, Oh, it looks like the rest of the channel's a uh, solo guy out here. Yeah, that was a scary Dude, heart drop. Out. Was heart drop. Like, what? I'm How many times does that happen to you, though? Once, that's fucked up. Yeah, that's scary but, stuff. And, and so, that's, so that's yeah. how we got started doing. So, we had you know done channel crossings, so to do it in the boat would seem like you know, that was easy compared to paddling it yeah. and windsurfing it. And then it was like, there's another, you know, channel crossing that you're like, let's go tackle it. Like, what was the... Well, after that, mm -hmm. then um, uh, Laird and I, in the early 90s, uh, we had a pro we bought a piece of property, seven acres in, in, in Maui together, and we we're hanging out. We built a little shack and living in the little shack, and then Laird was going to uh, Tarifa uh, uh, for a windsurfing speed trials going to Europe so I went and there was some longboard events in, in Biarritz and I go well we're going to Europe Laird so why don't we go paddle the English Channel and, so, and jam with the stones let's go <laughs> <laughs> so Laird took off uh, ahead of me he took 16 pieces of luggage oh like 16 foot windsurf masts paddle boards long boards short boards all the way boom, from Hawaii, all yeah. the way all the way to Europe and then I flew by myself with my boards and, and met him in Spain. And then uh, and we drove to uh, France and, and then went and, and did the English Channel. 
And how was that? September. Like cold and rough, same thing? Just... Well, it started out hot and glassy and nice, you yeah. know, and then about midway, the wind came up as we got towards England, the weather turned, mm. it got cloudy and windy and cold and current was stronger. And, and uh, by the time it got to the end of that, I was hypothermic. Oh, and wow. I didn't know, I didn't really know hypothermia, what it does, but it was shutting down all my organs. Everything was, yeah. was shutting down. Are and you wearing wetsuits? I had a wetsuit, like a full wetsuit, but I cut it off at the chest and then wore a vest because I didn't want the restriction of paddling mm. in a full suit that long. So, so, but anyway, I got cold and uh, we finally made it and went ashore. Um, some guys greeted us there and they looked in my eyes and realized that uh, something was not right. I, I looked at the, at the rocks and the seaweed and it just looked like the most comfortable bed I'd ever seen. I just, I'm like, just let me lay down and rest. And what happens with hypothermia and you fall asleep and then you never wake up. Oh, fuck. And I was in there like, no, 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 we're going to the hospital. So we went to the hospital and, and they had to warm us, warm me back up. Laird wasn't even cold. He was fine. But, uh, I was 88 degree core temperature and they warmed us up for like four hours and then we caught the ferry and, and uh, went back to France and back to our rental car and back to Paris. Because Laird's younger than you, right? Yeah. By how, how much? Five years. I mean. Five years, okay. Yeah. So you like training, right? Like back in the day, your only training was surfing. Right. Surfing, paddleboarding, we'd run the beach and do light workouts. We had a like calisthenics we, kind of stuff. Yeah, there was a pull-up bar that we in the tree and dips, and we did our you know some some fitness stuff, but yeah. not any organized gym work or anything like yeah. that. But we, because I mean, looking back at what was back then, like surfing was pretty much it for surfers, pro surfers, yeah. to train. Yeah. And then over the years, you know, guys started to incorporate. Okay. I need to eat better. Flexibility, fitness, with yeah. major, you know, yeah. I mean, we, we were learning a lot from other We sports. were like, we wanted to train, so we're on Maui, and so we realized that Maliko Gulch was the farthest up spot we could get for easy access, and then do the downwinder, which is like seven or eight miles down to the harbor. So that we started doing that as our training run, and every training run was like a you know, turned into a race, each other. So we're always pushing each other. And, <laughs> Big brother, and little brother. guys, yeah. And other guys would start joining hey, us. what are you guys doing? That looks fun. I, I yeah. think I could do it. Paddleboard. But, I mean, you're catching swells and just, yeah. it was, that kind of uh, condition was really fun on a paddleboard. It's w way more than, than a flat water race. But. Crazy. And then you guys did a Corsica to Italy race? Yeah, so two weeks after the English Channel... Laird had been to Corsica on a windsurfing thing and said, I want to go to Corsica and we'll paddle over to Italy. I went, okay, <laughs> whatever you want to do, Laird. So, <laughs> he already so, had this all mapped he out. Had, he, he was dropping it last minute on yeah, you. Like, yeah, oh, and by the yeah, way, we're going to well, do this one yeah, too. I, th I, I don't know how far out he was planning it, but so we went down there and... Uh, Worked our way down, got the ferry out to Corsica, and we're scoping it out and looking at all way off in the distance and and uh, scouted it out and we uh, found the spot and and it was like a big cliff and and Laird jumped off. <laughs> Go. And I was like one, two, splash into this clear Mediterranean sea, boulders, all that. I said, oh, come on, it's really good. I'm like. 
Oh shit! I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, I guess I gotta go. So I jumped off like an idiot, and, uh, and you guys are goes, crazy. He goes, "Okay, we're gonna start our paddle from here tomorrow." I go, what do you mean start there? Why would we start from the cliff? So yeah, we'll start the cliff. We'll do the the 90 foot cliff jump again, and then we'll paddle. So in the morning, you threw your shit off the. We went down. We walked, hiked down. We took our boards down by the water. And went back up, and he had a helicopter from France that came was going to film our channel crossing. And so he had this all shit organized. Yeah. Was he an oxbow back then? Yeah, he was oxbow. Yeah, he was oxbow, and he got he had a crew, and they were going to film this endeavor. And and so they landed, and we said we're jumping off the cliff. And they, oh, that's great, good, yeah. So they flew out and filmed this, do the jump, and then they landed, came back, and they go, that was so good. Can you guys do that again? And we're like, uh, no. One once was that yeah. Got it. So then we went down, uh, hiked back down to get our boards, and my board had fallen. A gust of wind hit my board, fell and smashed the tail on the rocks. And so oh. my my pintail paddleboard, which styrofoam, which sucks water, was like facing south. And so I was, oh boy, what are we gonna do? So Laird just grabbed it and just smashed it back straight. And we had five minute epoxy, and we just slathered it with epoxy. And all the show must the, go on. The show's going on. We're going. And uh, my cam- I had a little waterproof camera and a little case on my board. It fell into the Mediterranean Sea, which is about 40 or 50 feet deep there. I'm like, oh, shit. I wouldn't have my camera. And like, I'm not, I'm not free diving. Laird wasn't going to free dive down and get it with, you know, open your eyes and go find it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and so who knows what's right, down there. We're just ready to leave. And I look over and here comes a scuba diver. No. Perfect. And so we wave him over, and he didn't speak English, but he said, you know, camera made motion of a camera, and it's down there. And the guy, he went down, came back, handed me my camera. No, how lucky were you? In the sleeve of my board, and that's the only shots we have of the of the crossing. So what I was able trip. to to uh, yeah photograph that. that Holy Some smokes. of those shots are in the book, but yeah. So then, so we start. We jump in, we start paddling, and we had looked on the chart and, and studied it, and it was 37, but it didn't say what, 37 or what. Miles. And we're like, well, 37 kilometers. We're in Europe. Everything's in kilometers here. That's got to be 37 kilometers. Yeah. That's only 24 miles. This is a piece of cake. We'll be there in three hours. We told the helicopter, yeah, meet us over to Elbe in like three, three and a half hours, and we'll be there. Dang. And so we start paddling, and they filmed us for a while, and they went back, landed, let us paddle, and we kept paddling. We're four hours, and the frickin' island is still looking really small. Wow. Five hours, six hours, it's like, oh my God, probably five hour mark, we saw the helicopter fly back past us, headed the other way, about half a mile away, just out of range of seeing us. And they cruised back to Corsica, like, and looking for you guys, looking for us, and we just kept going, and we arrived at uh, Elbe at uh, at dark, and, and to where you wanted to go, where we wanted to go. Okay, took nine hours. We arrived at dark, thirty-seven miles, thirty-seven nautical miles, forty-four statute miles. <laughs> <laughs> A slight miscalculation. Damn, <laughs> and you only rationed. Yeah, we just had a chocolate bar. There was no special stuff and water and a chocolate bar. Yeah, three hours. Turns These in guys. Guys. I thought it was going to be an easy day, you know. 
Holy! You Medi- guys are in it. Fucking sick. crazy. This is the Mediterranean Sea. There's no, there's no predators. Nothing. That's then we saw him after. Down. After that, I find out the biggest great white shark ever caught was in the Mediterranean Sea. No way. Didn't know that <laughs> until later. Insane. Yeah, that's correct. The two what of if, you are just the craziest watermen. <laughs> in you're just having fun, hey. doing stuff. Just. Pushing like, each other. Oh my yeah. gosh, dude. <laughs> it's it's almost like you guys don't think it through, but then you like pull it off. You're like, you're prepared anyways, you know? Like yeah. you're you're not going into it not trained yeah. or mindset. You know, a lot of it's busy yeah. mindset and knowing, you know, the confidence. Yeah. But, I, I, but I like it, what you're saying there. Like they didn't think it, they, they thought it through enough, but, to, but not... All the way. Yeah. Not all yeah. the way. Yeah. Not, not all the way, but... They it, thought it through enough, but not all the way. If it wasn't way. them, they, there'd be two surfers that the Mediterranean That died. Yeah. That died. But, but, yeah. but it just happened to be these... But it's Buzzy and Laird. <laughs> and these guys are fucking superhuman. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, it's it's just... I mean, the obviously the competition, but the love for challenges and the water and, yeah. and you just, know, just... Staying healthy and fit is just yeah. incredible. Before we started recording, you were talk. We were talking about like uh, what you wanted to get the the points that you wanted to get across. Yeah. Um, go through those points. I want to entertain people. I think some of our stories are probably slightly oh, entertaining, bro. You know, yeah. I want to inspire people to to set goals and and go after them. They yeah. might want to think it through more than we thought <laughs> through some of our things, yeah. but. But you got to set a goal and work for it. You know, just like for big waves, you don't just charge out. You work your way up incrementally. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, setting goals to try to win contests on the Pro Tour, that's, it, it, it made me drive. I wasn't, I mean, it was fun traveling around and surfing and I could have been content with that, but I wanted to win. And my dad said, you got to win. You know, I had that, that seed that I, you know, you got to win. You got to beat these guys that are the best in the world. I was, you know, I never considered myself as good as these guys, but I wanted to, to beat them. So I worked hard of being a better paddler and, and all the things I could do to make myself competitive. And, and when the stars aligned, I was able to win the two of the biggest events in the world at the time. Yeah. And I think, you know, everybody can set goals, whatever it is. And, and strive for it. And, and if you come, come up short, you're still way farther down the road than you were if you didn't start yeah, try going it after yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. working after something, trying as hard as you can, you're, yeah. you're, way, you're halfway yeah. there, yeah. right? You're, you're winning yeah. anyways. And you're yeah. way better off than not trying at all. You yeah. know, like, yeah. you know, life's about, you know, ups and downs. And yeah. It's just giving it at all. Yeah. You know, who, who was it? Michael Jordan said you miss... You, what's what's to say? He, he says know. something like, you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. I've never heard that. That's a good one. Yeah, I think, I, I think so, that was Michael Jordan. So out of all your travels, like what was your like favorite destination? Do you go to Tahiti? Do you go to Fiji? Or, you know, I've you been to, all, you know? all of those places. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite waves that I surfed was Jeffrey's Bay in South Africa. Yes. I really oh, love a long right with... Yeah. Uh, in my favorite, two favorite things was hit the lip hard and, and get barreled, and you could do all that, all of that multiple times at Jeffries. It's got power, was, it's got barrels, it's, yeah. you could go the fastest you fastest could ever you go. Want. I yeah. just, I love Jeffries, that was spectacular. Yeah, I like, I'm glad you said that, because I, I'm a regular fan, I've been there, you know, a few times, and it's like, 
holy smokes like um, i love backdoor yeah. i mean you get the best um the best tubes probably i've ever gotten maybe not the longest but the best where you're just, just really able to ride in the tube the shape of the tube is it's so foam ball ride and, and, yeah and, i mean life or death so like if i could choose any wave to surf you know, that, oh, you got to surf that for the rest of your life, it'd be backdoor. Yeah. Unfortunately, these days it's really hard to uh, to get many waves out there because it's a very uh, popular spot. Yeah. Very popular. <laughs> yeah. It's a but feeding I, frenzy. I love, yeah. yeah. But I, I love backdoor pipe and Jeffries. Those would be my two favorites. Nice. That's incredible. Have, have you done any wave pools at all? I have not. I've been, I've been waiting, checking my phone to see if Kelly invited me, but I haven't come on call yet. Come on, Slats. <laughs> come on, Jimmy. Come on, Jimmy Slade. <laughs> Jeez. We got Bert and Buzzy Kerbox here waiting to get, itching yeah. to get into the... I'd like yeah. to jump in that pool. It looks like a lot of fun. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. We've done it a couple times, and it's yeah. phenomenal. I, I actually messaged uh, the guys at WSL when they were having the, the pool event this year. I said, have a, like a, a master thing. Let... Uh, Michael Hoa and I take on Rabbit and Sean Thompson. Let's have a let's throw the old guys in there and let's yeah. duel in the pool. But yeah. uh, they didn't duel in the pool. Duel in the pool, the old school. Yeah, <laughs> he's a that's poet a good, too. Yeah, that's good. What? I mean, that's I, I mean that's what I they were doing those um, classic heritage. Heat, heritage heat, they did some. Stuff. Yeah, I never got and, I never made any of those. But. And I think I, I mean it's it's such a cool tribute to like all the. Yeah. You know, the guys, the forefathers that ripped a generation or two yeah. before, and they should in- incorporate that, you know? I'm yeah. sure Kelly's getting up there. He's going to have a master's tour. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, the, you know, from your perspective, how crazy is it that all these fucking wave pools are popping up all over the world? Well, you know, it's not just the pools. It's like the schools are popping up and more people worldwide are surfing now than ever there's yeah. just been this resurgence in surfing yeah. the popularity has just soared it's just amazing i mean yeah. surfing had that popularity and seemed other things kind of came along but now surfing is just back it's just gone mainstream it's like everybody wants to surf and schools and beginners are are uh, in every lineup all over the world yeah. and it's it's uh surfing just seems to be like this sport of the year i mean yeah. everybody's well being it. a surfer you know why you know yeah. because of yeah. the exhilaration just being outdoors it feels yeah. healthy it's yeah. a great workout but it's so dang challenging it's a hell of a drug it's a yeah. hell of a drug and i think that yeah, yeah once people get that feeling yeah you know it's like and turned on the silver lining in the pandemic is it's made a resurgence for surfing right because yeah. force people to Everything kind of, everything kind of, the perfect storm for for surfing happened. You know, no schools, no, you know, world traveling, no gyms, like yeah. no organized sports. So yeah. people had to do something, and it yeah. was a lot of it was surfing, surfing. outdoors yeah. activities. Um, I want to touch base more on that early uh, Jaws days where you said you're, you know, you're introduced to, you know, what is. Piahe, Piahe, I don't know if I Piahe, yeah. uh, and it was not really known and as a surf spot like a lot of the outer reefs on Oahu. Yeah. You know, it's like when it has to be giant, and you know, like I mean, the progression that you've seen out there from when you guys were were doing the earliest, you know, you know, tow-ins or surfing there to yeah. what it is now. It's well, to yeah, kind, but, I mean, 
sorry, Buzzy Kerbox, Laird Hamilton, Kai Lenny, like that, you know, progression of what you guys do, you know, windsurfing, big wave surfing, fucking water sport, everything. Yeah. <laughs> like the progression, right? And even women. Yeah. yeah the surfing. Women, the women you know? come on strong. Yeah. Cool. Surfing, surfing well. But the early days of Piaggi, it was like, you know, I told Laird from the from the wave runner onto some, and we went, "Wow, this wave is good for towing, but I wonder how big could handle because we yeah. didn't we didn't really know." And then as that winter went on, it got bigger and bigger, and we realized, "Holy shit, this this place can handle whatever Mother Nature throws it at us." It looks like it, like it won't then, ever close out. It, it just it just, it, it just pushes a little farther out, a little and farther just, out. And, yeah, and so. Um, January 28th, 1998 was uh, the biggest swell up until then that we'd ever seen. And I got out there and there's only four or five of us who were riding it. And Laird and I, um, it's one of the shots in the book where I'm at the bottom and Laird's at the top. We shared some waves. and uh, But that day was just off the chart insane. That was just and that's the, That was the day that... Brad Sean, Brad those Shaw, guys were out on that reef. That was all cabins. Yeah, that trip was you were there. Incredible. Oh, really? Ninety-eight. Yeah, remember when yeah, I yeah, like well, the waves were washing was, over Cam, yeah. and it was just white water yeah. for you know. We just yeah, we're like, oh my god, this thing can handle as big as it gets. Yeah, and it was crazy, and it was it was really exciting to be out there and and be you know the, alive. the new frontier and yeah, and alive. alive. I mean, I surfed them. Cautiously, that my biggest one I ever caught was that day, and I was just like, "Don't go down." I didn't know if I'd survive it if I went down. I, I was wearing when I pulled up, Laird was wearing his little impact vest that we got from water working on the movie Waterworld. It was yeah. like, you know, <laughs> like barely keeps you afloat. But I went, "Oh, I'm putting mine on today," because before that, I never thought about wearing flotation. Yeah. Some guys were, but I was, I was more. Yeah, you guys were raw dogging it back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. But now, now it's evolved as, and the the crowds out there got so crazy, yeah. And it became the most crowded, backdoor, and infested lineup <laughs> in the world with jet skis, and some guys are trying to go left from the right, and left. it just got so crazy and dangerous that some of the guys wanted to go back to to paddling it. Like Ian Walsh and. Um, Shane Dorian and some of these yeah, guys Billy sort, Kemper of, Kemper and, sort yeah. of led the charge to let's get this get rid of the skis and now let's paddling. But they also had the the jet skis standing by and they've got by that time you know major flotation and then uh, Shane Dorian came up with the inflation so yeah, they yeah. they have quite a bit of a, a safety net to paddle in but they're the level of surfing that they've achieved out there is, is mind boggling. It's it's a scary place to paddle in and hats yeah. off to these guys that have pushed it and taken Fucking it back crazy. to a paddling spot yeah. and and just ridden it incredibly well and it's yeah. it's right on and I'm glad that I'm so old I don't have to paddle out there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We, we we had Ken uh skin dog Collins on uh recently and he, he's just like I'm I'm done. I've yeah. already, I've caught enough. Not that I couldn't do it. Not that I'm jealous when I see it. One of my friends yeah. get a really wave of the winter like Pete Mill did this this year yeah, at Mavericks. But he's but he's like, I just don't have the desire. Yeah. You know, just well, you got kids now and for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but he doesn't have new kids. I mean, the kid he's been surfing while he has. Yeah, but yeah. it does yeah. all weight on you. You know. Yeah. yeah. I I just put it like this. It's like I feel like we we summited Everest, 
and kind of free lined it and, and got up there and now the lines are set and everybody's going and it's but I don't need to summon it again. Yeah, it's like it was, it was great. You, yeah. it was, you we, pioneered we, it. We got there, got to the top, and had it when it was pure. Yeah, and uh, so I'm content now in my life to still surfing a lot, but it doesn't have to be massive to have fun. I still have fun on small days and yeah. just you, being up there. Are you foiling? I foiled a bit. Yeah, yeah. I just got a wing. I'm going to be a wing wing foiler here soon. Nice. What is that with a you, kite? It's, like, it's it's like a kite that you hold. Yeah. It's a, a variation of the kite. You just hold it and then uh, lifts you right up on the foil and away you go. So it's kind of like being foiling but also towing yourself yeah. at the same time. So you can get out there and you, you get on a swell and then you just hold the front of the handle and like release it so it's not doing anything and you ride the wave. And then as soon as you kick out, you sheet in. And tow yourself back out and get another one. The, it's like the it's technology the, it's the and future like, of yeah. just more, just catching right, being able to ride yeah. more waves with less. I, I, it's I back to a less, a less crowded lineup. The yeah. feeling of of being on the foil is Gliding. amazing. Yeah, and it's not that crowded yet, so you can get out there and still enjoy the ocean. And you, you can know, go like serenity, freaking fast. You huh? go fast. Get yeah. the glide. Yeah. yeah, that's so crazy. Well, you mentioned earlier about uh, Water World and some of the other like stunt. You know, doubling you did for for like some movies. Yep. Uh, what other in God's hands you did? Yeah, I did the wipeout for that. And then Waterworld. Any any other? Oh, well, there's a Mountain Dew commercial oh, I did. Uh, 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 it was late '80s, probably, and and I would go to the castings, and you know, every time you go to a casting, they say, "Can who can surf?" And everybody's a surfer. Who yeah. can you know ride a mountain bike? Everybody can. They who could. Boogie board off a 50-foot waterfall. My hand went up and nobody else's. So, <laughs> just Boogie by the board. fact that I was the only guy that I want to kill it. that producer and writer. <laughs> so I got hired to do uh, a 50-foot waterfall. So they sent me to scout it on the big island. We found this really good waterfall. And I had a stunt coordinator. And we dove it with masks and make saw sure there's no, Make sure there's, you know, no where, where, where we could hit and where we shouldn't hit. And yeah. uh, scoped it, and so I said, "Yeah, I'll go from here." And then two weeks later, he flew me back over there, and uh, like forty people in the crew, three cameras set up, all the stuff, and standing there going, "Fuck! Did I really say I was going to sign up this? for this?" Looking down, are you? Oh my God! Did yeah. I really have to do this? And uh, all you needed was Laird to say, and, "Dude, you could do that." Well, I, I brought in Laird as a as a backup because they wanted to have a backup guy. You know, they go, anybody else would do it. I go, Laird would do it. Yeah, so we had Laird as a, a backup, and and uh, I did it on cue. And three, two, one, bam! And I just went and did it and and pulled it off. So I I just dove with the boogie board and then I had to pitch it at the last second and sort of awkwardly dive in. Yeah. And you had to land past the plume because the plume was actually landing on the pile of rocks so i did it three times and they oh we want another angle i you know my neck's kind of hurting uh, i think uh laird's got to do this one make sure he got paid so yeah and laird did it and of course he wanted to outdo me so he landed he kind of landed like with the board right, like right on the edge of the rocks like so close it's a frightening yeah but, uh they ended up using mine in the in the commercial <laughs> That's insane. Wow. What a freaking life, you know? Yeah. All about great opportunities, but also just, you know, being there willing to do it. Like, 
hooking yourself over a waterfall. So I, I was telling PT, our Fuel TV interview yesterday, I go, yeah, in 1971, I came here and bought my first wetsuit at Jack's, and, and I go, that's 40 years ago. And PT's, no, that's 50 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I guess time flies when you're having fun. So it's been a fun life and yeah. a long ride, and I can't believe it's been 50 years of chasing surfing and, and my passion and, and uh, what I've been able to do. Yeah. So yeah. When, when did you finalize? And, and Well, all along you've kind of journaled your, your everyday travels and stuff, right? During my heyday through yeah. the 80s, I, I kept a journal and I've always taken pictures and videos. And uh, so it's just, I had all the stuff and I kept talking, someday I'll write a book, you know? And then my wife said, you know, you keep talking about it, why don't you do it? Yeah. Just buckle down and do it, so. How long did it take you to finish it? It, it ended up taking three years to do it. Cause mm. I had to get a hold of every photographer to get usages and writing my story and then working with the editor and just honing in into something that uh, I felt reflected in my life. So Dude, cool. So amazing. Yeah. I mean, this is like, I mean, surf history and culture yeah. and, and, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and all everything about your life. And there's so much iconic photos and, and stories in here. And, you know, we're... There, that's the first one at Lania Kea. Oh, the, wow. Ten two, just dropping down. Was so that the that one you ate it? No, that's my second okay. one. Savannah wasn't there to shoot the first. That was my second one that I made. But yeah, it was just dropping down this big, beautiful blue face outward. Nobody around. Did, did you like, ever think about getting into acting because you were doing all the stunt stuff? or? You know, I, I was friends with some actors and stuff. I just didn't like what happens when you become famous. It kind of ruins your life. I tried to shy out of the limelight and not... I didn't want to be famous. Yeah, and so I didn't. I didn't do acting. I had some opportunity. How funny for it, did he? But... Did he just say that? Yeah, <laughs> didn't want to be famous. Yeah, um, uh, you kind of blew that. There's the, there's the waterfall. One. Wow, tried to make it look real, you know. It looks fucking <laughs> real. Mountain Dew, huh? Because <laughs> I mean, when you, you you say that, and and I totally understand it, you know what you're saying, but you you were you're one of the most famous surfers outside of surfing. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know, but I, I mean, it's... <laughs> honestly, it's in my opinion, you have bridged the gap of you've transcended into like fashion and you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it, what you've done, not very many people have done right. Out of uh, you know, person That's from surfing. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. So that could be a true statement. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a very unique story because I mean, there's a lot of big wave surfers, a lot of competitive, like great watermen out there and stuff. Yeah. But you know, to tie in, like Lyndon said, that that fashion, you know, side of your life, you know, is it's just so unique and amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, just, how blessed you were to like take that call, you know, take the risk, and I think we always try to, you know. You know, get that across to our listeners is like, you know, like you never know what life's going to throw oh, at you, you yeah. know? And, and, and what's really ahead. cool, like you, you're you a humble and down to earth guy. Down to earth guy. And that's, we can see that. And the way you talk from start to finish, you've always been that way. And what's rad is good things happen to good people. And, you know, obviously you're good people because look at all the good things that's happened for you. And it's crazy to, to think, you know, when you said that uh, I never wanted to be famous, uh, 
and all the times you said no, <laughs> that, it could happen. Yeah, and, and you're like, <laughs> you you just kept like kind of progressing in life and and succeeding at stuff that you really, you know, you're you're about. working hard at your craft, which yeah. is surfing, right? Yeah. But the peripheral stuff that that incrementally gives you, you know, dollars yeah. in the bank. Yeah. You you didn't really focus on that, which yeah. is really funny to hear. Yeah. You know, like it's funny to hear yeah. how you this guy Bruce Weber just calls you out calls your dad out of the blue. You call him back and you go to this thing and that turns into a meeting with Ralph Loren and Ralph is like, Oh shit, this guy is Ralph Loren Polo. You fit yeah. the Americana vibe. And then they put you under contract, 60 grand. For 14 days. <laughs> for 14 days out of the year. And the only stipulation <laughs> is that you work those for 14 days that they designate. Yeah. But you're making 60K and that, for 14 days. That was the first year. And that contract yeah. renewed every year. Yeah, it, it kept going three, up. Three year contract and kept going up. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's you know, you're, you're you're in your early twenties, when yeah. this is all happening, yeah. and you're still pursuing surfing. Yeah. But this thing is like, I changed your life. You know. Yeah. You basically were like, a rock star slash, fashion, you know, icon. Yeah. You're a fucking fashion icon. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, and I and I found this out of, I found this little line out of one of your, I don't know, interviews I found and. Um, you're in uh, Tahoe with Tyson Beckford, which is a supermodel. Supermodel. Yeah. Like, you know, one was of the most Ralph famous. Was he a Ralph guy too? Yeah. 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 Oh, polo yeah. sport. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He a was, lot of polo. He's, and, yeah. uh, and here you are, the surfer, who's obviously not him. That famous, yeah. You're not yeah. that guy. Yeah. And you get called out like, hey, Buzzy, like whatever in the, well, in the, the store. The cashier, the we yeah. bought beer and the cashier goes, here's your change, Buzzy. <laughs> and Tyson looks at her like, how did you know his name? He goes, yeah. she goes, I surf. <laughs> <laughs> that just so, so good beautiful. to like one up like somebody like, oh. I'm just as cool as you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't know Tyson? <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> he says, hanging out with me. Yeah. Oh, that's just funny. I thought that was a good, good you know, yeah, like synopsis of like, you know, yeah. Being amongst, you know, all these stars and, and here you are, like, holding your own way, you know? Well, I, funny. I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. This is a good way to end it. I think Making Waves by Buzzy Kerbox should yeah. be turned into a screenplay and turned into a movie. And you could play the here and now Buzzy when it gets to that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Then we just need some crazy kid to play you earlier. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to find it to do, recreate some of those stunts. Oh, plenty too of bad, Too bad Laird didn't have any sons. <laughs> yeah, what a good Your kids could do it. Yeah. Yeah, my, yeah. my youngest would be good. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he could be the part. I mean, but what? Uh, speaking of, of Laird, I mean, he's probably one of your best friends and all these incredible stories are... Well, we had a falling out over the property for years and uh, we didn't get along, but uh, we've gotten past it and uh, I've been hanging out with him. I've visited visit him uh you know when the opportunity arrives and i stopped on, on the on my way here actually and had a, a i was uh gave him a lesson in training in the pool <laughs> now you follow my instagram buzzy <laughs> kerbox you'll yeah. see me teaching him how to you know really get in shape 
in the pool. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, dude, Burton Buzzy Kerbox. Yeah, from Indiana. <laughs> this has been an amazing. <laughs> to Kailua, to uh, Jet Setter all over the world, to yeah. chasing big swells and paddling from here to there. Yeah, this has been an amazing conversation. Yeah. We're so honored to, to be able to sit down and listen to you give us some insightful, amazing stories. It's crazy. Yeah, and listeners, please go support him and buy this book because it's not just, you know, a, a, a book about just him, although it is. It's just surf as my, history. As my life weaves through the evolution of surfing. Yeah, surfing, and, and yeah. That's the history and, to be in, and the culture places. and how it's yeah. all intertwined is yeah. freaking cool. You can get it at buzzycurbox.com. It's my, uh, my website, and then I ship it out from home. Yeah. And that's I, it's not really in many stores or anything else. So it's just, I'm actually, I printed 1,500. I'm down to my last 200. And so um, I don't know if I'm going to reprint or not. So these. Well, after this episode be, launches, dude, you're going to have to reprint. We're, we're going to need more books. We're going to need more books. Like that guy from Jaws. Yeah. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Well, dude. Yeah, thank you Buzzy, so much. Uh, stoked that we finally connected. Yeah. Um, congratulations on, on the tour. new book. Uh, hopefully, it turns into a movie, and uh, we we get to play uh, a role in it. All right. <laughs> At the end, who are those guys? All right. Thanks, no. Buzzy. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Out. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. WaveKey was created by Brad Gerlach to help improve your surfing. WaveKey is a land-based systematic surf training method. For all surfers, for all levels. Check out WaveKey.com. That's W-A-V-E-K-I.com. Wax! The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And Layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, whoa, we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. Foo Wax, the best wax in the game. Foo Wax. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.